Hi, I'm Connor. And I'm Jeremy. We're the hosts of an upcoming limited series, The Legend of Zelda Games Club, on patreon.com slash superNPCradio. We love the Zelda series to heart pieces. So throughout the year, we'll be covering the mainline Zelda games starting in April, running all the way through November. Subscribers at the $10 DJ Toad tier over at patreon.com slash superNPCradio will get an episode twice a month with some of the best Zoras, Hillians, and Dekus around. Not only are we covering the entire mainline series, but we'll also be going over or other Zelda topics along the way. That naughty little tingle might even sneak an episode for free every now and then. We can't stop him. We've tried. Want a deep dive on the hookshot? It's coming. Fascinated by Zelda clones? We're covering them. Always dreamed of a Zelda space solace? Well now, my Goron brother, it's happening. Check us out at patreon.com slash supernpcradio and subscribe at the $10 DJ Toad tier. We've got a ton of fun in store this year as we explore Hyrule, Termina, Koholint Island, and more. And don't forget, it's, it's dangerous, dangerous to, to go, go alone. alone. Take, Take us! us. Welcome back to Call Me By Your Game, the podcast where I, your host, Connor McKay, bring on a guest to talk about a video game that is special to them and why. We'll dive into as much of what made playing the game fun and memorable for our guest and what they love about it, as we will, about the context around how they fell in love with this game for the first time and maybe even revisited it over the years. I'm going to guess that my guest has maybe done that once or twice. So I'm just going to take a risk and put that out there now. Uh, a little housekeeping for you up top is that um, you should check us out on social media. If you want to follow along, see the beautiful art, see what's coming, what's going, what's been in the past, what will be in the future, you can follow us on Twitter at callmebyyourgame, but just the one Y, so B-Y-O-U-R. We're also on Instagram at Pod. Uh, and if you'd like to, to support the show, you can do that a few different ways. Um, you can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Um, and if you leave a rating that has to do with me, you know, pitching me as a father to a, to a single mother and her child, man, you're going to earn some extra brownie points with me. Uh, so feel free to keep that train going, listeners. Honestly, wouldn't even mind if that became a running bit in every review. Um, you can also share the show with a friend. Whether they love video games in general or maybe love uh, the one that we're going to be talking about today, because I know this is a special game to many people, uh, and you can also check us out on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash supernpcradio. You've probably already heard an ad for our Legend of Zelda Games Club this year, or you will hear one at some point on the show, but this is a Patreon that I started with producer of the show, Jeremy Schmidt, and the third amiibo, July Diaz, who our guest has met once before. Uh, we have a bunch of wonderful bonus content. Our big show for the year is The Legend of Zelda Games Club. And if you like this show, then you're also going to find a bonus co-op episode where I talk to more than one person 
in a roundtable style discussion about an impactful game. And that's something that my guest today has done before. Huh, how about that? That's it for the housekeeping. I'll finally introduce our guest that I've just been hinting hard at, both uh, both blatantly and both uh, as like a little Easter egg that the listener may not have known when I was talking about the review. But please welcome Blitz Brother, Resistance member, and Secret Esper, Mike Steele. Wow, thank you so much, Connor. I meant every word of that review, by the way. I That was thank not you. a joke. That was honesty. I was like, oh man, you know what? Connor would be like the best guy to like swoop in on a single mother who's got like a kid that's just begging to have a father in his life and Connor can be that father. I I, I meant every word of that review and I hope that people listen, uh, like people are like, oh, I don't know about this show. And then they see that review and they go, Never mind. I need to be a part of this universe. I'm in. Well, Mike, thank you. I knew it was from the heart. Of course it is. I've also, I don't know if you've seen The Sopranos, um, but uh, I am sort of, I, I could be seen as an AJ Soprano, a guy who oh would do that, do that exact thing. Well, it's not a huge spoiler, but actually during the season that I'm watching right now, he finds himself in a similar situation. Uh, and I just got to say, thank you, bud. Um, but welcome to the show. This is your first time on uh, the solo version of Call Me By Your Game. But those of the listeners who subscribe to the Patreon will know you from your already released, by the point that this comes out, uh, Turtles in Time co-op episode, which also featured July and Eddie. Um, and I know you. We, uh, we always like to get into this. I don't know you through the improv community. You were That's very clear. right. I'm the, one of the few that you don't know from the now defunct Yes. LA improv community. <laughs> it's true. Um, you know, we also we set the record straight uh, on the co-op episode, and I just want to be consistent there. But uh, I do know you through your uh, longtime friend and my longtime hero, Jake Sprague. Uh, may he may he never hear me call him a hero, but I sort of hope he does. Um, but yeah, how might the listener know you what do you want people to know about yourself uh, you i mean it's pretty cool you work for a game development company you do your I own know. podcast stuff but tell us about yourself mike um yeah i uh it's a moment uh, you've been preparing was... for for uh, for a long time <laughs> i uh, i like games no uh yeah i i know jake uh, i actually know your show because of jake he hit me up before he did your episode and was like hey do you have any stories you remember about us playing pokemon back in the day i'm gonna be on the show with one of my friends and it's funny because the first thing I said to him was like, oh, yeah, talk about when we used to walk around our neighborhood trying to find little kids that play Pokemon and challenging them. And he's like, don't worry, I already have that on the list. And I was like, oh, dude, then it doesn't matter what else you talk about. That is the only story you need to tell. That is incredible. Um, yeah, I've been friends with Jake since like seventh grade. So wow. it's weird that basically. So I was just telling you a little bit about this before, but I basically like forced my way into your life, Connor. I, yes. I, 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 I decided that like. By hook or by crook, I was going to become acquaintances with you. I love and it. That was, and I made it happen. I would actually, you know what, Connor? I'd go so far as to describe you as my best acquaintance. Wow. And my friend, I got to say, it's mutual. Wow. I mean, so, so much are. coming from you, Connor. You're, you're also, I mean, now that we're talking about Jake's episode, I know we discussed this on the co-op, but I'll reiterate it because not everybody has access to it, which is on the DJ Toad $10 tier on our Patreon. Um but you are the famous, you don't. You didn't remember this exactly, but you're the Cowboy Mike referenced in episode five or whatever it was. So, wow, which, a celebrity which is funny, in the flesh. I remember asking Jake, like, hey, um, 
why does Connor call me Cowboy Mike? <laughs> like, is there is it one of those things where it's just like funny to call someone something yes. when you don't know them? Because that's what I'd do. If I didn't know someone, but I sort of knew them, I'd give them a silly nickname and then just run with it. Yes. So it's like, if that's it, like, I'm cool with that. But I, I was almost disappointed when I it occurred to me to ask because I almost like the mystery of not knowing. Yeah, uh, it's like the like once you open up and see what that actually is, the thing. How could it ever live up to the mm-hmm. the like exactly what you're saying, the mystique of of whatever the hell Cowboy Mike was? But yeah, yeah, Schrodinger's so, nickname. Yes, exactly. So sorry to sorry to cut you off, but I had yeah. to have the listener know you are. This is Cowboy Mike we're talking to. Um, but yeah, you know, Jake. You were saying that you know Jake. You what? You forced yourself into my life, which, which job well done. Um, but yeah, what what else do you want to share about yourself? Um, I I work in games. Games are games are important to me. Uh, that's my job. I literally make video games for a living, which is really fun. Yes, you do. Uh, actually, I was nervous because when you asked me to be on this, the game I'm working on right now hadn't been announced. Yes, and I was terrified of talking around what my job is and what I do because oh. it's not that's not fun. Like it's 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 this weird like balancing act of. Like you look at all the industries and movies try to be secret until toys start getting made. And mm-hmm. then no one gives a shit because every spoiler in the world immediately gets out there. Yes. And it is what it is. TV shows oftentimes don't care uh, about the secrets as long as the details, like the context. They don't mind mm-hmm. if you find out that like a character comes back, but they don't want you to know about the actual plot. But video games, they like really, really care that you don't know shit. Like yes. more than anything nowadays, they really don't want you to know anything until the second they're ready to tell you. And then they only want you to know the stuff they've told you. So when you sit and work on them, like basically your entire like week, it can become this weird thing. Like, have you ever played uh, like Resistance or Werewolf or Avalon, any of those kind of games? Werewolf, yes. Okay, so you know when you're a bad guy mm-hmm. and you're doing a good job and then you accidentally refer to the bad guys as us and you're like, <laughs> whoops. And then you're like looking around, hoping no one noticed. Like there's like, no coming back from it. Uh-huh, that is what it's like because at some point in time, you see it every day. You yes. know about it every day. And even though you know how to draw that line on what you can and can't talk about, sometimes you just like start talking about common stuff and it just like slips out and you're like, oh no, oh yeah. God, what did I just say? It's keeping secrets are ju- it's just hard, especially mm-hmm. like you said, when you are, you're around the subject that the secret could be about. Um, yeah, that's, that's really funny. I don't even think that I knew you were working on a game that was going to be announced until after the show when you were like, hey, um, you're not using the video for this, right? Because... <laughs> yeah, I basically said like, hey, uh, I'm not sure if this video comes out anywhere, but if yes. it does, can you not use it? And you're like, don't worry, it doesn't. Because I... Uh, so I'm uh, working on a game that just got announced called Ollie Ollie World. It's a skateboarding video game. It was and at the Nintendo Indie World Showcase. Yes, that was a really great feeling, by the way. That was one of the coolest feelings is watching that get shown and, and you'll probably appreciate this, have it not be a game that you see six seconds of in a montage right near the end. Oh, yes. That yeah. was the best feeling because we don't actually always know what oh. our placement's going to be. Um, and we knew that we were going to be in it. And even now, I'm trying to make sure I don't say too much. Sure. we <laughs> It's happening. We, <laughs> we did not feel as if we would be in that little montage section. Yes. But you don't actually know 
until you're sitting there watching it. So it was really cool to one, get the lead up, get the big long thing. People are stoked. Yes. Um, been reading through YouTube comments, Twitter stuff. We get to we get to put it out there now. Like mm-hmm. our Slack channel at work doesn't have a fake name anymore. Like oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's fun to have all that stuff out there. But yeah, I was nervous because I'm like, if you just saw my room and you don't know any better, you just see two skateboards sitting yes. there. <laughs> but if... Maybe not. I don't even know who the person would be, but there's surely a person out there that looks at those skateboards. Even technically you, you were like, huh, that skateboard's just kind of sitting there. That, that Like it drew your eyes for some reason. It was like being in one of those sort of like uh, like isometric or like JRPGs in like the late 90s on PlayStation where <laughs> yes. where it's very obvious what the background is and you can see the, the chest you're supposed to interact with. I was like, you're like, that, that door's like going to open. I'm going to yes. go walk to that door first. <laughs> totally. Um, uh, yeah, and so I was nervous that because like technically it's not like anyone would get anything out of it. They just be like, oh, that's weird. But then you never you the this nightmare scenario is some asshole sees your skateboard because you're a moron and then goes, wait a second, he works for a video game company. Wait a second, the video game company he works for released that they were working with a developer that makes skateboarding video games f- four months ago. Wait, and then they jumped to a conclu- yes. conclusion that is it's unrealistic to expect someone to, but if they do, you're at fault and 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 you just have to like shrug and yeah. beg for forgiveness. Yeah, but internet sleuths will pull stuff like that. So I think your your fear while it uh you know was um unlikely is not far fetched because yes. that was on the table, but hey, luckily this is we're recording this after a week after that showcase, I think it was a week ago today, actually. Yeah, about, about, yeah. Um, so, so congratulations. But, um, what can you tell? I mean, they showcased a lot of this game, so I feel like a lot of it's out. But do you, can you tell us about what Ollie Ollie World is? What I would say is that, uh, it is the newest game from Roll Seven. So the original developers of Ollie, Ollie and Ollie Two, uh, Welcome to Hollywood are making a new game. <laughs> and if you look at it, All you need to do is look at it to immediately understand what they're trying to do with this game as opposed to the old ones. And I Mm. I think that nothing I could say would do it better justice than just looking at the game in motion and immediately realizing, oh, okay, you don't like make a change like this unless you're like doing it big. And I think that that is the best thing I can say is to go either rewatch the uh, Nintendo Indie Direct from a, a week ago or... Uh, check out uh, Ollie Ollie on Twitter or uh, Facebook that Roll7 has a page for that where they also have a little bit like different footage that didn't mm-hmm. show up in the Nintendo Direct. So there's more footage of the game out there if you've only seen one or the other. Um, and I hope you like what you see. We're really excited. Uh, tons of good uh, response coming out right now. For I love it. A game, it's one of those weird games where like it's not huge, but it's got a, an audience that loves it. And it was reviewed really well. So clearly people liked the old games. Um, so it's fun working on something that I'm passionate about because uh, this is where I have to be careful. I'm not yes. going to tell you the other games I worked on, but I wasn't very passionate about them. <laughs> um, uh, one of them was actually really well received. Uh, probably a pretty huge game, I would say. Uh, the other one, I think not I know what that so is. much. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Not so much the other one. Uh, but it's really cool working on a game that I'm passionate about, especially since I've been passionate about games and the game industry uh, for so long, just in general. So like, it really is like, I'm kind of living the dream. Yeah. And in this case, the dream is like being slightly underpaid to do something you love, but it's yes. still the dream. 
Yeah. Well, congratulations. That's so exciting. Uh, I don't even think that I knew that announcement was coming until if it's funny. I saw you tweet about it, but when I looked at my phone, I thought it was a, cause we've been, I just need to give you my cell phone number. Cause we've just <laughs> yeah. been DMing on Twitter for a while. <laughs> um, even like doing the logistics for this, we've been, uh, just DMing, but I thought it, you had DM'd me saying like, hey, dude, here's this game I worked on. It was just featured at this showcase, but it was actually just my phone telling me you tweeted. So I was like, oh my gosh, my, my DM. And I was like, and then I saw what happened and, and watched the showcase when I got home from work. And kind of like you're saying, I, that is one of the games from the showcase that I saw and heard so many people have excitement about. Um there's a show that I listen to, one of my favorite podcasts called Nintendo Cartridge Society, that a former guest of this show, uh, Patrick Ellers, we talked about Dead Rising. Um, mm-hmm. They were like over the moon about this game. And oh, it's just like- Oh, that's so cool to hear. That makes me so happy. It was so cool. It was like hearing my friend talk about my other friend's game and like with <laughs> not just like, oh yeah, there's this thing and moving on, but they spent time on it like the showcase did. So- just congratulations, man. It's so exciting. And um, have they, uh, again, I, I feel like every time we talk about this, it's like, wait, hopefully we're not going to reveal anything. Have they You're announced good. when this is supposed to come out? Uh, they have announced that the plans currently are winter of 2021. Okay. Very cool. Well, that's, you can see I've practiced yes, talking about I, this stuff, I'm, right? <laughs> I'm seeing you like do all the checks in your head, like this all tracks, and even the verbiage is is is. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm so, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm so proud of you. Um, Thank you. Well, that's exciting. Um, I'm sure I'll find a way to to get this game, and and I'll have to even stream it since I you know, got an obligation. It's you, my friend. Um, but that's maybe that's, I could get you a copy, Connor. Hey, dreams come dream dreams happen sometimes, but no pressure. Um, so you're you're a games developer, but uh, you also do a, a show of your own that you've been doing for years. Would you like to talk yeah. about that? Uh, so that's actually another uh, tie-in with Jake is that Jake and I did a uh, radio show here in town called Jim and Them. Uh, we've been doing it for, we're just under 14 years. Um, wow. So that's, you'll notice I purposefully call it a radio show. Yes. I do that, but because it, podcasts weren't really a thing when the show started. <laughs> yeah. And still technically, like we do the show live. And then we record it so people can listen to it later. So we still think of it as a radio show, even though largely pretty much everyone, like even like like normies out in the world know what a podcast is. So yes. I don't have to word it that way. But maybe it's a little bit of ego because since every <laughs> asshole can have a podcast, it makes me feel a little bit better to call it a radio show. Totally. Um, but yeah, we've been doing that for a long time. Uh, Jake and I grew up. Jake may, Jake may have uh, transitioned from Las Vegas to the... Uh, now completely dead Los Angeles improv comedy scene. But uh, Jake and I were a part of a little uh, improv comedy scene as well here in Las Vegas called the Becker Middle School Drama Club. Oh. Where where we occasionally played games from Whose Line Is It Anyway together. Oh, hey, you got to start somewhere, right? And, oh, yeah. And with a, I mean, that sort of sounds like a really competitive uh, prep school version of, of what a lot of like rich kids go to. But this just sounds like the, the highest peak of like middle school uh, improv that could be. Yes. And I couldn't agree more. <laughs> wow. A true, a true pro. That's, that's, uh, that's so cool. Uh, also, I, as I always tell my guests and the listeners, anything that you promote today, like Jim and them, 
and and that the tra- I'll find a trailer or maybe just link to the Twitter account for Ollie Ollie World in the show notes. Um, but is there anything else you wanted to um, share uh, before we? I mean, uh, that's that's kind of who I am. I cool. would say that like if you if you hear that, uh, that's that's who I am. Yeah, I'm Jake's friend. <laughs> that's I, who, that, that's how I identify as Jake's friend. He's gonna be so happy that uh, that he's being discussed, uh, whether oh, or not yeah. he admits it. To oh, he us. loves it. He loves when people discuss him. Yeah, he he'll be so happy. Uh, well, fantastic, uh, Mike. Before we talk about your history with video games in general, would you please introduce the mammoth game we're going to be discussing a little later? We are going to be talking about Final Fantasy VI, which is insane to me. Because I would have expected like nine people were fighting over this game. So I yes. couldn't be more thrilled to get to be uh, the representative for this title. It was meant to be, my friend. It was, it it's was written just, in the stars, baby. It, it really was. Uh, I'm really pumped to talk about that game that I'm lucky to have a decent amount of experience with. It's not one I finished as we'll get into. Um, Cause I'm definitely going to make this about me. Um, <laughs> but before we talk about final fantasy six or three, as it was known here in the U S but it's six, come on. Um, yes, it's six. I understand. Hey, if it's 1993 through 2001, you're allowed to call it final fantasy three, totally. but there's no excuses for not calling it six at this point. Yeah. Uh, get with the time folks. Um, but let, let's get into it. Let's get into your history with video games in general. And as you know, I love to start at like the beginning, but I understand for some folks, there's not like a memory of when it was like the time had come. It was just there. So can you distinguish what it was like for you? Oh, I definitely remember the beginning. Um, All right. Be, so uh, it's interesting um, <laughs> because I, I would argue I have two beginnings because my beginning is actually before the beginning. I have a, I have a prequel to my beginning, Connor. <laughs> I'm so I'm here for the ride. <laughs> okay, so do you remember those toys? Which actually, I almost wonder if I wasn't quite sure if that's who the person uh, that was on the Kingdom Hearts one. If, if this is what he was talking about, oh. do you remember those old toys where it's like a backlit film screen with like a literal car pasted on the middle, and you have a wheel that moves the car on the screen and the road is just like a fake line, just like cycling over and you can just turn it. And that's literally the toy. I never played this, but I know what you're talking about. Like the, it's sort of like just this, like this grayish black, uh, like film moves over it almost like it's kind of digital. It's like the equivalent of like looking out a window at a spec and using it to jump across things. Yes. But there's just a car there and it and the, and you move a, a, a transparent piece of plastic so that the car can follow a drawing of a road that just loops over and over. And there's no stakes or anything, but that makes a car noise and you can steer it. Yes. I had one of those when I was uh, I know how old I was because my birthday was on Halloween and I got this toy the year that I dressed like Dracula and I dressed like Dracula on my second birthday. Wow. Yeah. Whoa. Uh, my mom did a very good job of giving me like, like a timeline of my life so I can refer to stuff like that. Way um, to go mom. Yeah. Oh, my mom rules. My mom's li- My mom is actually very important to the, what, not the prequel, but the initial story. Just you wait. Connor. Oh, I can't wait. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm going to feed you like a snowbird, Connor, <laughs> hey. like the snowbird that you are. <laughs> hey, how dare you? <laughs> um, uh, so I, I got one of those for my birthday and I loved it. I play it 24 seven all the time. It's just, this is the best. So if I'm t- two, 
turning three, that means this is 1988. Okay. Um, and so, so video 1985, games, you were born. Yes, I was born in 85. Wow, October 31st, 1985. You're like, truly, as Back to the Future 1 is happening, Mike Steele <laughs> has been brought into this world. And, what's? Wait, I'm sorry, Connor, what was my name? Mike? What's that short for? Michael. Oh. And then, who do you think my parents named me after, Connor? Christopher Lloyd. This is yes. incredible. Yes. And his friend, Michael J. Fox. Yes, is that they love really? Christopher Lloyd, and he's friends with Michael J. Fox. So they're like, "Well, we don't like Chris. That's a bad name." But Michael, um, yeah, yeah, no, I am. I'm, I'm named after Michael J. Incredible. Fox. Incredible. We have so much yeah. more to talk about, but I'll let you. Continue. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, don't worry. I'm very good at asides. Yes. Um, so uh, I loved that thing. Loved it to death. And because, like, now I don't know the actual reasoning outside of I know that my parents knew I loved that thing, so they thought, oh. Maybe he'd like video games because obviously I'm pretty young. You're not really thinking about buying a kid video games. Maybe nowadays it's different with like iPhones and stuff, sure, like how quickly yeah. kids adapt to touchscreens. But at the time, dude, you're probably not thinking about buying your little kid video games when he's like just turned three. Yeah. But considering how much I love that thing, like my mom noticed that I like follow the rules. Like I would oh. always make sure I was in the road. And if I got out of the road, I was like, ah, darn, I have to reset. And to do that, I just turn it off and then turn it back on, which did nothing but like t- turn the light off and then turn the light like, so right back funny. on. Um, so they eventually um, got me. So so I want, my very first system was a hand-me-down Atari 2600. Wow. Um, which uh, I'm purposefully calling it the 2600 for all the plebs out there because the real like the real ones out there have a different name for the 2600 i'm not going to bore you with the details connor okay but the 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 2600 is actually one of the few systems that was rebranded in the middle of its lifespan connor five years in it was originally called the, the 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 vgc which stood for video uh video game computer or something like that or VC. Yeah. Something like that. And they were like, that's stupid. No one, Mike right now can't remember what the acronym even means. Yes. So they wanted to <laughs> give it a title knowing that they were working on another one with a higher number. So they're like, let's ah. call it the Atari. And they just, and then it, it grew out from there. So the 2600 is actually not its original name, the actual exact hardware, nothing changed other than the name. Wow. Um, uh, I got, it's just, that's a history lesson for, for all of us. I've got trivia for you too, bro. I got it for you. I love it. Yeah. I love your trivia. So I'm bringing my own trivia to you. That means a Uh, lot. I I had one of those. I played a ton of combat, a ton of pitfall and a ton of mission command. Um, And my parents noticed I wasn't frustrated when they like pitfall is a genuinely difficult game. Yes. Um, Mission command starts easy and then becomes very difficult. And combat is kind of like pointless when you're playing it alone, I guess. Uh (laughs) Um, So, but I was, I was loving it. So they ended up getting me an NES because at that point the NES had been out for a little bit and it was clearly more popular, but the hand-me-down made more sense at first. So they got me an NES and um, my very first non 2600 related video game memory is playing the original Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt because I had the little pack-in cartridge because yeah. at that point that was a thing. And uh, basically I would just sit there and go, Mom, 
watch. And I jump and I'm like, did you see that? And she's like, wow, good job. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And I'm like, but wait, just you wait, watch this. <laughs> and I'd like just jump again. And, and she'd be like, whoa, pretty great. And I'm like, I know, right? You mean like a stationary uh, jump or like your jump to gap? Um, I mean, a majority of them were just like, check it out. If I push this button, that thing happens. <laughs> like pretty cool, right? I just wanted like, to make sure mom. I was tracking. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm not showing her impressive things. Uh, and I'd be like, hey mom, check it out. I just went through this tube. Now if I hit this brick, look at all the coins. And she'd be like, wow, those are a lot of coins. I'm like, yeah, you think that's a lot of coins? Which I'll show you this other block with a bunch of coins in it. What a good and sport. I would just, I'd talk, oh, my mom's, my mom is a literal angel. She's Aww. maybe the best human being that has ever existed in the world. And I owe so much of my video game like affinity to her because these systems just appeared for me. I was getting them for birthdays. I was getting them for uh, Christmases. I was getting them and I was not asking for them. I was happy with the ones I had. She was getting me the games. Like I look back on some of the games I got until I was old enough to choose my own games. Like it's insane. Some of the games that she was smart enough to get me. Um, so, but that, that was one of my earliest memories of sitting there and just like, and then like every time I jumped, like a, a little kid does, I, do this. Uh, <laughs> I jerk my hands Lift up. Lift the controller. And <laughs> when I'd run, I'd like lean. Like so, I was the old. I was the ultimate little kid in a commercial playing an NES. Um, loved it. Loved it to death. Um, I ended up. I so I have a little brother, and he's three and a half years younger than me. Okay. And so around not long, obviously not long after, I'm like graduating to video games, I have a little brother in the house. So a lot of times, obviously he's a dumb baby. He doesn't know what he's looking at. <laughs> you mean uh, today or when you're what you're referring to the time? Just in general. My okay. dumb brother is a baby and he's blind, so he doesn't know what he's looking at. Just wanted to make sure I was on the same page. Um, but he was also a dumb, blind baby when he was an actual baby, too. <laughs> okay. And uh, he he would like, like watching me do that. So a lot of times I'd sit and play a game and my mom would sit and either plant him on a chair so we watched or sit with him and watch and so oh. that I could go, hey, mom, look at this. Hey, mom, look at this. Hey, mom, look at this. And eventually me and my little brother, uh, I mean, God, I'm trying to think of anyone. Like I grew up with, with friends and stuff that I loved playing video games with, but I would argue until around middle school. So actually probably around the time uh, me and Jake became friends, I would argue like 80% of my video game time was me playing with my little brother. We, wow. we, we, we did a whole lot of video game playing with each other um, as we got older. I love and that. We had everything. Like, again, like I got lucky. So my dad's kind of a scumbag. You'll notice I won't talk about him a lot. He's yes. kind of a scumbag, but he, he's the type of scumbag that also tricked people into giving him enough money that let my mom do cool things with that money. So like (laughs) I grew up with like a a trampoline and lots of toys and video games. So like, I hope I don't sound like some entitled prick when I talk about like, Oh, I had this and I had this, but I'm glad I did. And, um, so I'm glad, I guess from that standpoint, I'm kind of glad that my dad, (laughs) dad's the worst. (laughs) Um, uh, but yeah, so I had like, uh, I graduated from, the NES, well, I guess I wouldn't say two, but I got a Turbo Graphics. I played cool. the Turbo Graphics was kind of a slightly beefier contemporary to the NES. Obviously, mm-hmm. didn't become as popular, um, but it wasn't quite as beefy as like a Genesis slash Master System or a Super Nintendo. Um, but I play a lot of that. I played um, like Joe and Mac and Bonk and stuff because they were on that video game show on Nickelodeon where the kids go in and play games. So I just oh, like, oh, yeah. I want to play those games, and they were on the Turbo Graphics, and then. Um, Dungeon. I loved Dungeon. It was like, okay, so Dungeon is, have you ever played the old Gauntlet games? Not like Gauntlet Legends, like in arcades, but the old Gauntlet games. Only the arcade, like older, newer arcade versions. Okay. Well, the old ones that Legends was based off of, um, 
basically dungeon ripped it off but it ripped it off so good that it was better in every way <laughs> dungeon dungeon was so ahead of its time it had like when you choose your class you could like it was like obvious stuff like archer wizard thief uh-huh. warrior stuff like that but you choose initials and then if you like say your friend comes over and plays and then you want to play without him, you just put in your initials and you'll get your character back. And then he shows back up, he can put in his initials and it will have remembered how many keys he had, how many potions he had, how much experience he had, what level he was. It's so dope. Way ahead of its time. Dude, Dun- and this is like, a, I think it was like 1989 that Dungeon came out. This game ruled. Um, so the, I, I played a shitload of Dungeon <laughs> on the Turbo Graphics. Uh, then graduated, obviously, to like the Genesis... Uh, and the Super Nintendo. The Super Nintendo is, I I genuinely love it. Like, dude, I love it like a woman. Like, <laughs> I love, like, the only problem that No, the I SNES, know what you mean. I'm right there with you. <laughs> the, the, only, the only issue I can come up with the, with the, NS, the SNES is that it doesn't have lips, so I can't kiss it. Oh, uh, yes. I mean, I can kiss it, but then I'm just kissing a thing. But I want to kiss something that can kiss me back. Of course. And I can't. It's so it's such a bummer that the SNES can't kiss me back. That is a bummer, and I've got to say I'm sorry that that doesn't have the ability. It w- I know it would if it had lips, but it just doesn't. Right, and I I try to remind myself of that because I don't want to like hurt my own feelings totally. by being like, oh, it doesn't actually care. Oh, this is a one sided relationship. Yes, oh. like you never want to be the one that likes your partner more no, than your partner you likes you. But you know, there's always someone. Someone is always the one that likes the other one more. Mm-hmm. And I've just had to come to terms with the fact that I know that I like the SNES more than it likes me. But I don't think that it doesn't like me. It's just that I like it more. Yes. It's, it loves you. Whatever the threshold is for like a beautiful, rich love, it is, it's, it's above that for you, but yours is just a little higher. Yes, exactly. See, you get it, Connor. I don't even know why I explain that to you. You clearly get hey, it. Hey, no, it's okay. If you got to work out these thoughts and feelings, that's why I'm here. Thanks. It makes me feel better getting it off my chest because, like, you can tell yourself something all day long, but when you say something and then you feel validated yeah. by another person accepting that, then it's suddenly like, wow, you know what? Me and the SNES, we do have a good relationship with each other. It's true. And uh, it's funny how much even just joking around that you could apply these things to real life, I think. <laughs> I don't know about that part of things. Well, well okay, we'll I take it. Back. Agree to disagree, Connor. Okay, sure, sure, sure. Um, it's Super Nintendo. Yeah, I love, I love it so much. I love that. Like the Super Nintendo basically has like, I don't know, twenty of the top twenty-five best games ever made. Like on it, like it's the Super Nintendo's catalog is so good that it actually makes the Game Boy Advance better because the Game Boy Advance, while being awesome, I love the SP, Connor. I love the Game Boy Advance SP so much. I actually, at any given time, have an SP within five feet of me. Almost, actually, hold on. I have a Game Boy Advance oh, SP right here. Oh, the silver right one here. looks so well, good. So this is the pink. This is the the chrome pink. It's hard. They, oh my gosh, it is. And it's the oh, one hundred one. Put it next to your shirt. It's pink. Oh, I see it there. Can we can we show each other our SPs? Oh my God! Yes, please. So Mike and I are, are showing each other our SPs. I feel like I'm in junior high right now. Uh, oh, and you out. have a 101 as well because you have the, the brightness settings. Yes. So that means you have the better one because if you look on the back, uh, where does it say that? So up in the corner, it'll say model. It'll say AGS 101 instead of AGS 100. Oh, mine says, 10, mine says wait. AGS 001. Oh, shit. Then maybe I you have a mitt. You might have a middle tier one. Mine is definitely like not the like backlit. It's like the so yours, front lit one. 
But does yours just turn it on and off by hitting that button? Yes. Okay, that is okay. That's what it is then. So but the it's still 101. Great. Okay, you ready for this, Connor? Look oh, at this. of course. The 101. The reason it's better is because you can see the brightness of the screen. It doesn't matter if you can see the screen. And if I push it, it gets brighter. And then if I turn it off, it gets so it I, swaps what between game is the in two there? brightness. Camelot oh. is it Golden Sun? It is Golden Sun. Oh, Connor. Mike! But it's Golden Sun Lost Age. That's okay. So the sequel, which is arguably uh, better in my opinion. I. I actually found I got that on eBay last year. Um, oh, good God! Oh, and dude, Golden Sun's so good. I played like just a little bit, and then I like got distracted and fell off. But I finally, for the first time ever, this is the perfect. I finally got to make this show about me. Um, I finished. <laughs> that's one of my favorite games as a kid, but I never finished it. I always got to like. Um, it gets hard, dude. It does. Do you know like the Crossbone Isle area? Yes. I got there and could never beat it, but I finally finished it last year and hell yeah it's like it's like yeah i mean have you do you know about our our space solace episodes we do on jeremy's video games a comedy show the like desert island fantasy football draft i've heard you talk about them okay but uh only for like for anecdotally so it we just do like a fantasy football style desert island draft where you end up with the five games you get and that's it and if one goes it's off the table that is going to be one that we're going to do that later this year, the Game Boy Advance Space Solace, and oh. I'm hunting for that. That and Tony Hawk 2 on the Game Boy Advance. Oh, I saw I saw his eyes light up. This is this, here it comes, folks. Tony Hawk Underground 2. Oh, Underground 2. I didn't even know they had the Underground games on the Game Boy Advance. So those good? Oh yeah, they're the same thing. Wow, which honestly, I love it. I think it handles so well. Oh, yeah, no, it's even back in the day, it was like, oh, my God, how did they make Tony Hawk work on the Game Boy Advance? This is insane. Seriously. Um, I, I'm sorry. To, this was this was a tangent from oh, this is the best about, tangent of all time. Hey, and the most important one, I think um, yes. you were discussing how the how the Game Boy Advance was sort of like a SNES port machine. No, it literally was. It was like, hey, did you love the Super Nintendo growing up? Well, guess what? Now you can put one in your pocket. That's, yeah. That is what the, the Game Boy Advance was. And that's what that that's how good the Super Nintendo is, is that basically people were just going back and grabbing games from that era and putting them on the Game Boy Advance. And people still love them because they were still timeless classics. Yes. Like, it's just, it's insane how great the S. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not one of those Sega or Nintendo guys. I grew up, with all the systems. Yeah. So I got lucky and never kind of, I never got like conscripted into the army of one side or the other. <laughs> yes. uh, I was just allowed to be like, Oh yeah. Like to me, it's more like which Aladdin is better. The Sega Genesis or oh, okay, the yeah. Super Nintendo. And for me, I'm shocked how many people say the Sega Genesis. It animates better, but to me, the Capcom Aladdin is so much better. Or like okay. the Power Rangers, uh, uh, they, they when they released the Power Rangers the movie games, one was a fighting game on the Genesis, and one was like a side-scrolling brawler on the Super Nintendo. And I remember, like, to me, it was just like, well, which one of those two games is better? To me, it was never which system is better. I just, I've never, I mean, I've decided that for myself in the past, but like to me, it was never playing sides. It was just like, oh, I like them both because they both have good stuff. Totally, I understand um, that. That's great. Yeah. And so uh, I did some 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 PC gaming as well as a kid before like the barrier was so high. Uh, I loved Diablo. Actually, when you were asking me about sh- games, I almost I wanted to talk about Diablo before I found out that 
uh, Final Fantasy was available. Ooh. And Diablo was good. Hell, a lot of games on the Super Nintendo, a lot of RPGs, I was like thinking as secondary things. Like It was hard because I was just like, I hope Connor lets me do uh, 13 episodes because then I can maybe <laughs> talk about half of the games I want to talk about. <laughs> Um, I love but it. yeah, I just, I have a super long history playing everything. Fast forward to now. I still have everything. You can see my PS five. There right it there. is. You can, can see, see my switch. I can right see the colors. There. Um, you can see my super boy right there. Oh, you That's got a, a super handheld boy? super Nintendo, which I love. Oh, it's awesome. Um, I see your a little master chief helmet behind you. Oh yeah. So I, I, when you guys were talking about that, that made me so happy because I worked, I, let's fast forward. I worked at a game crazy. Uh, now defunct okay. game crazy, yes. uh, which was the, the, uh, technically it came before GameStop, but it was the competition to GameStop always connected to a Hollywood video. I was a manager at game crazy for a couple of years until they went out of business. Wow. Um, I like, so basically like in like some way, shape or form, I have found myself tied to video games basically my whole life. I, I loved them as a kid. I never stopped loving them as a kid. I got a job with, for them yes. when I was young. I run the biggest video game convention in Las Vegas here in town called Level Up Expo. Amazing. Uh, me and my buddies started it. Um, it's transitioned to be a little bit more, but started as pure game stuff. Now it's kind of got like, you know how conventions are. It's got some some anime stuff in there. I do indie wrestling. So we inter- right. integrated wrestling into it as well. Uh, it's a pretty cool thing. But yeah, I run a video game convention and then my day job is literally working on video games. So my history with video games is potentially never ending and yes. and definitely obsessive. I love it. Those are the I was hoping that you would, were going to say both those things, never ending and obsessive. <laughs> um that's absolutely incredible. Uh I want to hear more about this convention some another time. Um uh, but that that's I didn't even realize you did that. That's so cool. Yeah. Thanks, um, man. Well, fantastic. Well, bef- actually, I, I, the final question about your game history is that are there have there been any new games in your life recently that maybe like one or two that you've really enjoyed? I play everything that comes out. Yes. <laughs> it's I'm one of those weirdos. So I'm a big proponent of a little thing called Gamefly. Gamefly oh. is how poor people like me play everything <laughs> they want and don't have to pay a ton of money for it. Gamefly rules. It's the best service. People make it a punchline. But Gamefly rules, Connor. Basically, I paid the equivalent of buying roughly four and a half games mm. an entire year, full price games, to play every single thing that I want to play that wow. isn't downloadable only. And it's great because it just lets me go like, I'm going to chronologically look through every game that comes out that even vaguely, basically just doesn't look like shovelware or something I actively know I wouldn't like. Sure. And I throw it on and I just have them sent to me and I play them and I decide like, if I like it, cool. I like it. And then I can choose to keep it. And if I don't send it back, baby Gamefly. I don't even work for them, but I'm telling everybody, check out Gamefly. It's the best. It's so, it's such an underrated service. I can't believe it still exists. I'm always terrified. I honestly, they're going to, it's going to go out of business. I didn't know it still did exist. This is actually yeah. news to me. That's incredible. And it's um, better than ever, Connor, because PS5 games basically all have free upgrades and Xbox Series X games basically all have free upgrades. So you can just Gamefly the PS4 game and then stick it in your PS5 and it'll go, Hey, the PS5 game exists. You just want to play that instead. And you go, yes. 
Yes, Gamefly. I mean, yes, PlayStation, I do. And then (laughs) the games that are only PS5, Gamefly has them, baby. They have them. Gamefly rules. So I play everything. But if you had to ask me like some of my most favorites, I can just tell you like the stuff I like. My number one game last year was a game called Eichenfell. Eichenfell. Eichenfell is a Mario RPG style action RPG. So, and I say Mario RPG style because of like the engaging combat. Basically, lots of games have tried to do that style of combat. Um, Just a little backstory. Mario RPG is the best game ever made. It's aged so well. It's still good to this day. I love it more than there's one game that even comes close. And I'm just so happy to be talking about it today. Uh, (laughs) Another Super Nintendo RPG. Yeah, who'd have thought? Weird. Um, lots of games have tried to do that active combat that Mario RPG had. Some overcomplicate it, some muddle it. And like No one has ever done it as well as Mario RPG. This is the closest, I think, a game has ever come to it. It's really, really cool. It's um, It nails representation, uh, really? which a lot of people don't talk about. So basically, everyone in the game is some version of not straight white dude. Okay. So like, like to the point where like there is one trying to think, I think there's like one male character that's a main character at all. And he's not white. There's, I think only one straight character in the game. And there's a couple non-binary. And then there's, and I'm super sorry. I apologize in advance. There's the, what are the ones where it's like Z, Zer instead of she, her? I'm not sure. Do I know actually what? don't know how I can't to remember. identify that either. Maybe. I think it's trans. I think it's one of the versions of trans. I don't want to okay. say it wrong. So I'd rather look ignorant than like, like an asshole. Totally. Um, but like there's tons of representation in the game and it does it effortlessly where it's not forced in to try and like check a box, but it's yes. also not like flippantly put in just to like appease some crowd. Totally. It's put in with like care and ease that just seems effortless to the point where you could play the game. And if you weren't aware, if you're just some like dude from Mississippi, who's like a man and a woman are the only thing that exists (laughs) and God hates gays. Like if you're that guy, you can play this game and probably not even realize what the game is doing because it's so effortless. And it's really cool seeing a game not, like it's hard to talk about because I'm like I'm a straight white dude, so I don't yeah. want to like put my words <laughs> in someone else's mouth. But like it's cool seeing someone, in my opinion, nail it so hard. Yeah, where it's allowed to be unapologetically queer in a lot of ways mm-hmm. without like like overstaying. It's I already feel like I'm saying the wrong thing. I don't. It's just it's dope. It's dope how cool and inclusive this game is and how effortlessly it makes it seem. Like if every game could do it like this it would just be fantastic. It'd be so dope for like tons of people to be like, Oh, cool. That character is the best character in the game and they're me. And I never see me in a game. Yeah. Like, it's so cool. I can fell rules. It's basically like Mario RPG at Hogwarts is kind of the elevator okay. pitch. It's so good. It's on every system. I think it's free on game pass on Xbox. So everyone should play it. It's got great art, great, mu- such good music. Um, I can't say enough good about, I can fell, I can fell ruled. Um, wow. And then like uh, Division Two has sucked me in pretty hard. Okay. I'm a big I'm a big Diablo style like loot game person, and Division Two is stupid. Division <laughs> Two is such a stupid good game. Like I love that. I I love me a game where numbers are popping off of things. Yes. And I'm getting stuff where I'm like, wow, that's two percent better. 
I am, no one's ever been better than me. I'm the, the I'm a god. I'm a human god. Uh, I love, oh, Division 2. And as a person who works on video games, I can't fucking imagine how difficult it must have been to create Division 2. Whether it's QA testing or designing or the art or just like the people that are working on like the, like, Basically, every aspect of, of a systems-driven loot game as big and seamless as The Division 2, I just, I can't even imagine what it must have been like working on a game like that based on the types of games I've worked on and how elaborate and difficult they are. Division wow. 2 is just, it's 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 remarkable that it functions. It's crazy to me that it, it even works. Dang, those are two amazing pitches from you. So thank you. I can fell in Division 2. Yes. Incredible. Well, th- well, thank you. Thank you for sharing your backstory and some r- wonderful recent history. And to know that you- video games are just not leaving you. It's just not no, going to happen. No. Oh. Dude, I'm going to be that. I'm going to be that cool now, but sad later old guy. Yes. That <laughs> still talks like I do now that occasionally surprises someone. Uh, and it's, it's just who I am. I'm, I can't, I can't get it out of me. It's in my blood, dude. Perfect. Well, Hey, it's why you're here. Uh, and we'll get it to, I'm sure even break into even more of that. When we actually talk about final fantasy six, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, but then on the other side, we'll get right into it. How about that? Mr. Mike. That sounds fantastic, Connor. Thanks for asking by the way. Cause, uh, I really appreciate being allowed to give you permission. It makes me feel powerful. Hey, I love it. I'll see you on the other side. Hello, my name is Jeremy Schmidt and I host a podcast called Video Games, a comedy show. We pretend like we are morning radio DJs within the Mushroom Kingdom for exactly five minutes per episode before dropping it all together. We cover topics like our favorite video games to take on vacation, the birthday roast of Mario, favorite Desert Island PS2 games, and infinity more episodes. If you like to hold a controller and are prone to laughter, well then Buster, I've got hours of stuff for you. Check out Video Games, a comedy show anywhere podcast can be found welcome back to call me by your game here of course with mike Steele to discuss uh one of the greatest games of all time final fantasy six mike welcome back thank you so much uh i've been uh you shoved me in that weird room that we all have to sit in when we're on break uh it was very uncomfortable there was no air conditioning and uh, frankly, I didn't like what I heard on the other side of the door, Connor. So I'm actually kind of glad you shoved me in there because I don't know, I don't know what you're up to, and I don't want to know. I was really hoping they would never find out about the other room. And also, I will just be upfront and let you know that I do that so that you, uh, you know, enjoy this experience much more once you're out of the room. It's like, well, Ooh. it's only uphill for after that room. That's true. I have never felt happier to be out of that room. And I didn't feel that way the first time I was in here. So, hey, bravo. Thank you. It's a, it's a little trick of the trade, but uh, welcome back. I'm glad you're here. Before we dive into um, your experience with this game and what you love about it, uh, well, let's take a little bit to talk about the history and context of Final Fantasy VI. Um, so I'm, like I said, Mike, I'm going to get into it a little bit. I'm not going to talk about too much, but if you want to share something you feel it's important or want to jump in, please do. Um, so I'll kick us off. Final Fantasy VI, as we already said, Final Fantasy III, uh, is a, is a 
Japanese RPG video game developed and published by Square for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. It's, uh, as you can tell by the number, the sixth main game in the Final Fantasy series and the first to be directed by someone that is, that is not the creator and producer, Hironobu Sakaguchi. This was actually directed by Yoshinori Kitase and Hiroyuki Ito. Um, and so that in, in, in itself is just crazy. This is the first time he, uh, Sakaguchi is let off the reins. Um, as mm-hmm. we'll get into it, I'm sure a little bit, that sort of collaboration and group style development of this game seems to have been not only just like valuable for how fucking awesome this game is, but as we'll get into it, um, there is a handful of creators on this game who all got the chance to create a pair of characters. Yes, that's all. I'm so glad you're bringing that up. Please talk more about that, Connor. Yeah, I don't have much more to share than that. <laughs> than, than it's no, like, Connor, th- damn it. I want you to talk about it right now. No, Mike, I wasn't prepared to get into each ca- person and the two characters they did. Um, but That is cool, though, because yes. t- to me, the cast, and I'll, I'll, I'll try and like not talk about it too much now, but the cast is arguably the reason this game is so great. Totally. So hearing them, like hearing that they took a new approach and that a lot of people were involved in the character creation that specific way, it actually makes a lot of sense in retrospect if all you had ever done is like played the game before and then you look at it and go like, oh, okay, that actually makes tons of sense. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I feel like it makes sense not only in like how well the game works together, but you can see that as you are interacting with the characters, meeting each character at a time, and they all get their little like theater moment where the screen goes black and it's like, I love it. Gao, the boy from the wild who was blah, blah, blah. Oh, there he is. And Setzer. Yeah. Yep, I got Setzer and Gao. Oh. I got canvases. That's Those are hand-painted canvases that my buddy got me for Christmas um, for the listener for the listener Mike has tilted up the camera and is showing me that it's like the pixel art of the portrait of Gal- yeah, the Game Boy Advance versions because they were slightly oh. better detailed okay and is is that how Jake got his too yes because the person that got it for me is Jake's little brother me and Jake's little brother are also very good friends Jake has a little brother yes uh, his name is Josh but we all call him Spigman <laughs> Because I, I know I'm <laughs> this gonna is tell the, the story. reveal I, of the episode. I'll do it super fast. Jake and I used to call ourselves fake names to be funny. I love it, it wasn't funny, but we do it to be funny. Uh, spray. So Jake and I have this shorthand where we take a word and say a word that's similar to it. Okay. So if you know that Jake's last name is Sprague, and then I tell you that the word Spigman exists, you can draw maybe some pointless lines to how the word Spigman only exists because the word Sprague. Sprague exists. Yes. And then so so Jake was J Spigman, meaning Jake Spigman. Okay. Then we turn it into J high like J period Spigman. And since he's Jay Spigman, obviously his little brother is Jay Spigman Jr. Then we stopped <laughs> calling Jake Jay Spigman, and it didn't make sense to call Josh Jay Spigman Jr. anymore, so he just became Spigman. And now, <laughs> 17 years later, we literally just call him Spigman. That's uh, really heartwarming. That's so great. What was your nickname, though? Uh, I was Mick Stells. Mick Stills. <laughs> yeah. So I like Mike Steele, Mick Stills. Yeah. I... Uh, am all for this this is so charming uh also jake and josh that's hilarious in its own right because of the show but who cares um different names 
anyway, um, yeah, it's it's fun to see those as you see those little moments and they all get their day yeah. in the sun. Yeah, they get their little cutaway, like uh, uh, like a quick little like fast and dirty description of who they are while their theme plays. Yes. And then it go- cuts to black and then cuts back and you're just like, oh my God, am I playing the greatest game that ever existed? Yes. I think the one that I think of um, is because it happens so much later than some of them is Setzer's when he sort of oh. poses after you meet him. It's so much fun. Setzer's uh, is set. So I know that like in the history of the cast, he's not everybody's favorite or anything, but Setzer, I, his theme might be the best theme in the game. And his section of the game is the best section of the best Final Fantasy. So like that's saying a lot. Yes, this is the Opera House stuff. Con- uh, Connor, don't even get me started on the Opera House stuff. I wrote the poem I wrote, okay, so the song that Celis sings when she's pretending to be this opera singer. Yes. When she's luring Setzer there. The song she sings, I wrote as a poem and gave it to a girlfriend in high school and lied and said that I wrote that poem for her. Because <laughs> I was that, like, dude, there's no way this girl's played Final Fantasy VI. I am so freaking in, bro. I love it. And uh, you were you were married this person for five years, did you not? Yes, but then she died under mysterious circumstances, which... Legally, I'm not allowed to talk about okay. anymore. Okay, yeah, well then weird. We'll, we'll leave it at th- we'll leave it at that then. Um, she was a bitch though, so who cares? Whoa, there we are. <laughs> Whoops, sorry. <laughs> uh, now we know what happened. I think. Um, <laughs> no, what are you talking about, Connor? Move on. Okay, moving on, moving on. Um, y- so also, I wanted to, of course, composer of the of basically the entire series up until uh, a certain point. He no longer composes for the for the series now, but Nobuo. Uematsu was the was the composer for this. Wrote the score. Uh, well, I'm which friends is, with on Facebook. By what? The way, Connor, I want you to know that friends with Nobuo Uematsu. Yes, I met him at a press event, and he speaks <laughs> really good English. And I told him how much of a fan I was of Final Fantasy, and so it was uh, it was here in town. We have have you heard of Dice? Yes. Yeah. So Dice and GDC both t- happen in Vegas more often than not. I live in Las Vegas. Um, and so I met him here. And so since we were here multiple days, I asked him if he'd be here the next day. And he said, yes. And so I, uh, I brought in, well, cause I told him I'm a, a huge Final Fantasy fan. Yeah. And so I brought in, um, like an, a sketch I had, uh, ha- I had a friend make of me. I, I, f- I had a friend make me a sketch of Setzer. And I had him sign it because I told him that that was my favorite music. And he told me that that was some of his favorite music to compose. So how about that? Wow. And then one thing leads to another, your Facebook friends. And And uh, then we were married for about five years and then he died under serious circumstances, which I'm not allowed to talk about. You know what? I'm seeing a trend here uh, with the uh, Theo relationships. We won't get yeah. into it too much, but at I'm least- I'm a hopeless romantic, Connor. When will I ever find love? Hey- I think maybe maybe at the end of this episode with uh, one of your game suggestions, we'll have to see. Um, uh, it's funny that we we we. I I have so much I want to laugh about right now, but I'm gonna leave it. Um, so this Do is it, of course Connor. I don't care. Do you want to say it? Say it. Say, say it. I right was just now. gonna say Get that off it's track. really it's really funny that this real person here in Sakaguchi suffered the same fate as your fictional wife that we just <laughs> created on the show. <laughs> but hey, uh. you know. Uh, old habits die hard, I guess. Um, exactly. So the the setting of this game is in a sort of steampunk style fantasy world um, w- that sort of 
it, a lot of the imagery rem- is reminiscent of the Industrial Revolution, as uh, which we'll get into, I'm sure. But as we talked about, it, the story includes a crazy big cast. And when they were creating this game, you know, some of these characters, I think what I'm about to say will... Uh, you'll see this much more than others. Some of them are sort of more side characters, but they wanted uh, all of the characters you could play as in your party be perceived as the main character of their own story. It's sort of like an Avengers-y coming together of these forces. Yes, it's the biggest strength of this game. I've always said that the the coolest thing about this game, and in my opinion, they didn't do it again until Final Fantasy XII, is that... The game doesn't have a main character. The cast is the main character. Like yes. you could even argue that at points it feels like Tara is the main character, mm-hmm. but they always loop everything around to everybody. And she doesn't, she never stays that way. They give, they really make it seem like the group is the main character, the whole cast. And really outside of the characters that are secret characters that are literally just secrets. So they yes. don't really have much story. Everyone is like integrally included to the point where, they do a really fun thing later in the game, uh, which basically lets you recontextualize all the characters again, which reinforces the fact that no one is the main character. Yes. And again, I don't think they did that again until, in my opinion, Final Fantasy XII. Because if you look wow. at all the other Final Fantasies, pretty much there's an obvious main character, if not main two characters. But twelve, it's pretty clear they do something similar to six, where the starting character is almost like an audience, like, like, what do they call it? When like, you're a person that's put in a movie, like, uh, um, a surrogate. It's like an audience surrogate oh, is yes. kind of what Vaughn is so that you can like then work yourself into this cast. And then there's no main character. He is no more important than anybody. Okay. I mean, Balthier's the coolest one. So you could argue he's the most important, but that's just cause he's the coolest. Yes. And so th- that's another reason why I like 12 and people sleep on 12 all the time. Connor, I want to shut that shit down right now. Too many people hate 12 and like nine, nine is terrible. And 12 is great. Wow. There, I said it. I'm sorry. I wanted everyone to like me, but I'm already alienating your audience. And I, I just can't help it. I have too many opinions, Connor. It only took 59 minutes for that to happen, but by, by George, you've done it, Mike. Um, I'm so proud of you. Um, wow, thanks, dude. So, uh, so that is a huge part of this game. I'm sure we'll talk yes. about some of your favorite characters as as we get into it. Um, it uh, and the story, you know, it follows this cast of characters as, and I'll try to summarize it quickly as they are, you know, fighting against this against this evil empire. You, we learn that there are these um, these magical creatures called espers who that the empire, it turns out, are distilling their magic and destroying them in order to not only become more powerful but trying to find a way into the espers uh, world. Um, you know, to become more powerful and just they're an evil empire. And well, well they talk- want their magic. They they only have technology. Yes. And that's so important because suddenly these powerful things they can wield to the point where uh, one of the characters in the game literally only has magic because of an Esper having to die, which is like a big deal to her. And when you think about it, like this is a dinky old SNES RPG. The idea that I just told you any of that and you told me what you said about the story, that seems like way involved for an RPG on the Super Nintendo. And that's one of this game's biggest strengths is that it didn't seem like it talked down to its audience. It wasn't making a children's game for a game console for babies. It was made, it was telling a story in a video game and it didn't care whether or not 
you were a little kid who thought the characters were cool or you were an adult that could like take in all the nuance. Yes. Um, totally, totally true. Um, it gets into a lot of different, uh, different themes and, and ideas. Um, I'm sure we do not have enough time to talk about all of them today, but they're fantastic. I mean, there's 14 characters, like 10 or so of which that you could spend a lot of time discussing. Um, I'll move on to a little bit of the of the nuts and bolts. Uh, this game was released to critical acclaim in 1994, uh, yes. as we maybe already said, and is seen as a landmark title for the role playing genre. And is often listed. You'll see. You can't check a best games of all time list or a best RPGs of all time list and not find this thing near the top. Um, and like you, you were talking about the SNES and how it's got some of the greatest games out of a chunk of greatest games ever Dude, it's banger after banger after it's it, insane how many good games are on that system it's true and specifically i would say like the jrpgs on the system i mean we're talking final fantasy 6 final fantasy 4 if you want to include 5 which i've never played sure um where we've got super mario rpg which you named chrono trigger earthbound uh there and there's a bunch of ones like that I've never played like Illusion of Gaia and I'm sure many Lufia others. Lufia 2. Lufia 2. Secretly one of the best RPGs ever that no one ever talks about for some reason. Robotrek. Secretly one of the best RPGs on wow. the Super Nintendo that no one talks about. People also love, um, uh, well, Secret of Mana is an action RPG. <laughs> There's wow, a sneeze. Pretty unprofessional. I'm actually just going to leave now, Connor. Oh, I was no. having fun until you did that. Yeah, I mean, you weren't going to leave after the dark room I put you in, but this is what does it. Okay. Um, well, now that he hasn't left and he doesn't realize I've locked all the doors. Um, I I'm was back, baby. Uh, I never actually left. <laughs> here he is. Oh, I was going to say um, Breath of Fire 2 is oh. also people like that one. Breath of Fire 1 and 2 are great. Um, but anyway, this was like a standout among standouts among standouts. Uh, it's considered one of the greatest games of all time. Um, it's hard. Uh, people are still, I feel like in so many ways when it comes to JRPGs, it's hard not to just long for what this game gave. And yep. and it's, it's had uh, a port like we were talking about um, with the Game Boy Advance. This game came to the Game Boy Advance um, in the early 2000s. Um, but really aside from the shitty like mobile ports that they've done of this game Ugh, i hate all that era they had where there's those weird bad like clean line yes. version art like of that and chrono trigger and like oh those things were so disgusting looking it's 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 far too bad um it, it thankfully this thing is also included on the um on the SNES super nintendo classic. classic which you can see yes. my bad boy right there there he is Oh, I see him. He's tiny, but there he is. Oh, he look is. at that. I love it. Uh, it's like my pre one of my true prized possessions. Which oh, is it's beautiful. It's, it's such a display. beautiful little thing. Um, but yeah, this is just, what is there to say about this game? It's one of the greatest games of all time. Um, so uh, aside from the history and context, um, do you want to just get into your experience with the game? Well, so it's weird because like, it, like it's remarkable how long this game has stuck with me um, because it wasn't anywhere near the first RPG I played. And sure. you know, the old, like, like a lot of people talk about this, like albums or movies or something where it's like, Oh, your favorite thing is you're the first one you experienced. Yes. I, uh, or the, the first time. one you loved. And that's not the case with final fantasy six. Uh, it's not the first RPG I loved. It's not the first video game I loved. Hell, 
I would I, I mentioned earlier in the show that Mario RPG, in my opinion, is the best video game ever made. You did say this. Um, and I and that came out within like uh, like a stone's throw of Final Fantasy VI. It's crazy that those two games were as close to each other as they were. Um, but it still found a way to like set itself apart for reasons that we kind of got into a little bit. The cast is remarkable and fleshed out and nuanced, and they're given real like time to be themselves. They have actual like growth and change over time, uh, not just because of the big change in the game that happens, but like yes. just in general, like they have real issues. It's not like I'm a warrior. My King died and I need to clear my name. Like, yeah, that's kind of what you're expected to, or like you're the chosen one because a dragon, uh, uh, kissed you when you were a baby <laughs> or like, Oh, a star <laughs> went out when you were born. And so now you're the guy, like that's usually what yes. you're expecting from a lot of RPGs at the time. Um, and here you've got this like young girl, uh, with like memory loss and like severe, like PTSD and trauma based on the fact that she was being used as a tool yeah. and she was awake for all of it and didn't, like didn't know any better. And then you've got uh, people like, uh, like Celis I had mentioned where she, it just thinks she's a knight helping the empire do the right thing. And then she starts slowly realizing that not only are they not doing the right thing, but the things that like the power she has been given was at the cost of potentially family members of Tara, yeah. like at the very least her race. And like, she's, grossed out by it like good guys become en like allies allies become enemies all in realistic ways everyone on the bad side isn't a mustache twirling villain general leo uh, who's a character in the game um mm. is essentially he's like the the main general of the evil empire and he's like this great dude yeah he's and awesome he thinks he's doing the right thing and the second he realizes he's not he stands up and goes, never mind. I, he's he's kind of like, in a lot of ways, like the current uh, interpretation of Captain America, where he's like, I'm not, I'm here for the right thing, not what they tell me is the right thing. Sure. And General Leo does that. Uh, like, hell, at, there's a part in the game where the Empire is having dinner with you. Yes. Because they're like, they're like, our bad. Yes. Sorry. Like, we shouldn't have done this. And we didn't realize until it blew up in our face. And it's really only because Kefka can't give it up that that all like goes to hell yeah. in this way where you're like, there's no way I'm almost beating this game. Why is this game acting like it's wrapping up? And in such a, like it. a p almost peaceful way. Yes. That, like a nice little bow is being tied on everything. Even having, only for it to go uh, just catastrophically wrong. Yes. Even having, you know, gotten through that part of the game before I, I played through uh, into the world of ruin in January, uh, I had to, I got the cartridge for the first time last year, the the SNES cartridge. So I was like, I gotta play it. Hell um, yeah. But even having played through that one time before, I was also like, wait, what's? How does this go wrong? And then of yes. course, you and then see of course, it. the game literally resets itself to the point where you're one character again. Gosh. And you're not a character you've ever been with on, on their own. And you have to regather your team who have all had this fun, like, like I mentioned earlier, recontextualization of themselves, but this interesting growth because they basically give you a time skip. They're like, Hey, the world ended. We're yeah. now in this post apocalypse where the villain won. That is the world you're waking up to. And you find your allies 
and they're different and they're doing different things and they've figured out how to make a life in this world best they can because it's over. The dream is over. There's no fighting back anymore. Yeah. Some of them are to the point where they're like, sorry, I mean, I'm glad you're okay and it's admirable that you still want to do something, but I'm not that person anymore. I can't do that. And it's just not as simple as find them and talk to them and they join your party again. And it's so, ah, it's so cool. But like the World of Ruins stuff is like, it's arguably, in my opinion, one of the boldest decisions that I've seen in a game that didn't involve character death, which is almost always what a game or a movie or a TV show or anything tries to do when they're doing something big and bold and brave. Yeah. It's, it's almost always a character dying or, or a character changing sides or something. And this wasn't that. It literally just did the whole like, nah, you get to play the version of the game where you don't win and you just have to deal with that and try and figure out how to recoup the best you can. And it's so cool because then it lets you go like, hey, in a lot of RPGs, uh, this is another thing. I'm just going to gush about this game until you like yell at me. But no, it, this is so what many I want. RPGs, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Uh, so many RPGs, it's like, ah, I would have like Mass Effect is a great example. Oh, I would have used that guy more, but you get him at the end and I kind of already had my team. So sure. maybe I'll play it again later and uh, I'll have a different team and I'll use that guy more. Final Fantasy VI doesn't make you do that because they have arguably the biggest and best cast and clearly they knew that because they make sure you play as all of them. Whether it's a weird tower defense style, you set like four teams (laughs) of different people to walk around and fight people where you're using everybody or it's, hey, uh, like a, a Star Wars Empire Strikes Back style, we're all going our separate ways and then you follow each and every group of like, hey, th- whether it's on purpose or maybe it was an accident and everyone got split up, you follow all those characters and you get to play as everyone. And then even the tiny bit of, hey, I got this guy late that does pop up is changed in the world of Ruin because they they knew the characters that you didn't get a chance to use. And oh, big convenience. They're the ones you find real early or really easily in the world of Ruin. So you get this like, fondness to the point where when you fight the final boss and you're literally using every single character you have, it matters because they all matter to you. Even Mog who doesn't talk and Umaro who literally can't talk and Gogo whose origins to this day are technically shrouded in like theories that people came up with on message boards which is so fucking cool connor i love this game so much i'm like swooning like i'm talking about like a girl (laughs) i have a crush on uh i have a crush on final fantasy 6 don't tell anybody connor i won't but Uh, i'm totally gonna ask final fantasy 6 best friend if final fantasy 6 has a crush on you oh i'm gonna write a note to final fantasy 6 it says do you like me yes no maybe please and i bet you're gonna be surprised at the answer which is maybe um, oh, we'll take wow. it. Hey, that's better <laughs> okay. than no. Straighten um, up my tie. This is this is awesome. Here's where I want to go now, Mike. Yes. Uh, do you remember getting this game at all, or was it just one that so, sh- also Mom just like dropped from the heavens? So, so Mom dropped Mario RPG from the heavens, but I never got a chance to play this game because every time. So, what young people don't realize is games back in the day sometimes 
cost a ton of money for no reason. Yeah, especially like, I feel like the Super Nintendo era. Super and Nintendo and N64 were all over the place. Yes. It's like I bought Perfect Dark for 90 bucks brand new because that's just what it costs. <laughs> and but then like you could also like go and buy uh like Smash Brothers for 50 bucks. And you're just yeah. like, it's just all over the place. And Super Nintendo carts were the same way. And not only was Final Fantasy VI hard to find, because I bought all my games at Toys R Us. I, I grew up in Salt Lake City. And there was a Toys R Us by the mall. And so basically Toys R Us had this ingenious way to fuck parents out of their money Uh. where the wall, instead of being like the glass case, it was a wall of titles that you could flip through that had the booklet and the front and back of the box and a, a, piece of paper you just pull out with the oh, okay. price and then you go to the checkout line and they scan that and then you walk to a counter and they bring you your game oh, okay. so any asshole kid can just pick up a piece of paper and be like mom mom i have it in my hands already <laughs> you can't say it's locked behind a, a thing you can't say we're in a hurry you can't look for a clerk i have it so buy it for me now that's so but funny there were never any uh, it's so smart of them uh there were never any tickets for uh, FF oh. uh, th- again three at the time yeah. but I had played some other RPGs so I wanted to try it but oddly enough I got to Final Fantasy late like I played Lufia first I played Breath of Fire first Mario RPG uh, like the old Fantasy Star games yeah. uh, Secret of Mana like I played a lot of like contemporaries to Final Fantasy but not Final Fantasy because again without knowing it because I'm still just a kid who doesn't know any better and the internet doesn't exist is like People that are older than me that like games know Final Fantasy matters for the same reasons that I've only ever played Final Fantasy on the NES. And so to me, obviously a ton has changed since then. And I didn't know that. But I was like, oh, I like that game. Maybe I'd like this new one, the third one. Because I'm an idiot and I didn't know any better. Um, And so I didn't get a chance to play it until I am in seventh grade, moved to Las Vegas, Nevada, and I'm playing Pokemon on my Game Boy. Brand new. No, Pokemon is not a craze yet. Were you I a only red or a blue boy? Do you, do you I remember? I was a blue boy. Blue boy, do okay. I, Very do cool. I remember? Connor, do you, want, do you see what that is? I That's, wanted to is ask Pokemon you. Pokemon in Japanese based on the original Pokemon green key art from Japan. I my, So Mike just showed me a tattoo on his under, under his right arm. And Mike, I saw it and it's so crazy because I recognized it. But I was like, that. I'm just... I'm thinking I'm reading that and just thinking every character looks every Japanese character looks the same. But I knew that was Pokemon. <laughs> I, I'm so proud of you. Connor. That's incredible. It's easy for yeah, me to I, say that now after you've told me what it is. But I promise that's what I was thinking. I believe you, dude. Uh, also, I'm a psychic and I can read your mind and you're not lying. Guys, he's not lying. Oh, thank you. Uh, so you're playing Pokemon. Yeah, so I'm playing Pokemon. I had seen it talked about on GameSpot TV, which was an old show that would like show up on like public access and MTV like late at night. It was like Adam Sessler and Morgan Webb would host it. And they were like talking about this game that's sweeping Japan and how it's going to come out later. And it just looked like an RPG. And I'm like, oh shit, I'm so stoked on this. So I told my parents, I'm like, the second it comes out, uh, I want that for my birthday. Dude, it came out like right before my birthday because my birthday's on Halloween. Yes. And Pokemon games always come out like in that era. And so I, I, I got blue. So I'm playing on my Game Boy. I loved my Game Boy Pocket. It was like a big thing for me growing up. And since it had such a life, a huge lifespan, I still had it by the time I was in seventh grade. And I was playing it at the bus stop. And Jake and I had a couple classes together and we had seen each other once or twice. Yeah. But it wasn't until I was playing that game that he's like, oh, hey, what are you playing? And I was oh, like, oh, I'm playing. We're getting the story on another show, folks. Yeah. This is good. This is good. So I'm like, oh, it's called Pokemon. And so I showed him my Articuno. I showed him my Blastoise. I showed him my 
Kadabra, which wasn't an Alakazam because I had no one to trade with because Pokemon <laughs> hadn't gotten big yet. And he he was like, oh, wow, that's like really cool. Uh, and he liked RPGs because he had a bunch of Super Nintendo RPGs. He grew up loving the Super Nintendo yes. as well because he had an older cousin who exposed him to lots of games uh, in, a, in a in a cool way. And so we became friends because we rode the same bus and lived not far from each other. So I would go over to his house and we'd just like play games or or like skateboard or go outside and play what we called they were called outside games we were essentially larping before larping yes. was a thing dude where we did just the same thing i love yeah, it just run around with fake characters just like na- like narrating these big grand stories uh but when we were playing games we'd play stuff and he had a drawer full of super nintendo games and so we'd like let each other borrow stuff and he's like oh you can borrow this it's one of my favorite rpgs and i was like oh my god i've been trying to play this game since i was like uh i guess i would have been in like fifth grade maybe even before that when I was like actively trying to get yeah. it. And so I borrowed it and I was just like, and again, I'm a dumb ass kid. So I didn't even understand all the layers sure. that this game has. I was instantly enthralled. I was like, like, like I said, dude, this game, this game has a weird tie to lots of my love life. Cause I told you, I wrote that song when Celis is at the opera yes. as a poem, lie to a girl. Um, Jake and I, <laughs> Oh no, we had a habit of, Anytime we'd replay it, we'd name Locke after ourselves and sell us after whoever we had had a crush crush on on. at the time. Yes, (laughs) yes, I love it. We would always do that. And then if we were still do that in RPGs, dude, I still do the best. Um, uh, uh, to this day, when I choose a girl Pokemon trainer in a Pokemon game, I name it after a girl who I like. Yes. <laughs> I'm in my 30s. It's pathetic, but I, I'll never stop. I love um, it. Well, that and then whenever, hard. <laughs> whenever we were playing together, like we'd like we'd play games a lot where it's like technically Jake played Legend of Dragoon because I played Legend of Dragoon and he played it with me. Technically, I played Chrono Trigger because Jake played Chrono Trigger and I sat there with him. And this is, again, growing up. So we did that a lot. And anytime we were playing together and he was, like, playing, even though you could do the two-player, like, two controllers in, control different characters on the board, which is a dumb, fun way to play, um, we would always go, okay, cool. You get to be Locke, but then I get to be Edgar. And then Celis can be the girl you like, and then Tara will be the girl I like, since Edgar's always hitting on Tara. Yes. And And it's like, clearly that's how we'll do it. This makes perfect sense. Uh, so we were always able to find a, a strike of balance, but yeah, he let me borrow that. I can't uh, believe this comes back to Jake. Yeah. Damn weird, it. right? Here yeah. we are. And it, the crazy thing is too, that like, it's not like I was like, Oh, I never tried games. And then I met this guy named Jake and he taught me about yeah. them. for all intents and purposes. I should have played it. I wanted to play it. I just never got it's to meant to be. And, and it was, it was, again, it was written in the stars, bro. Like it just, it, it just happened too perfectly. And it just, it was, became one of those games where at the time I knew it was special, but I didn't know how special it was going to sure. be over time until I was just like, you know, I'm going to replay it again. I'm going to play it again. Or I'd play RPGs and compare it to that. And Whoa. that just kept happening. Even like on the PS one where arguably the PS one had the closest, like heyday of RPGs. Oh Yeah. To, to like, if anyone was ever going to try and give the Super Nintendo a run for its money, it would probably be uh, the, the PlayStation 1. So good. Because uh, it had so many, like, hell, Wild Arms 1 is a launch title on the PlayStation Crazy. 1. Crazy. Crazy to think about. Um, but tons of great RPGs there. But I kept going back to Final Fantasy VI and just being like, man. And then as I got older and understood writing and, like, character depth and, like, pacing of stories and, like, again, like, nuance and like, yes, Locke is cool, but he's also like tragic in a lot of ways. Yeah. And like, you know who else is cool? 
not just Locke. <laughs> like, like <laughs> you know, like, like, like so many people's heads just like, oh yeah, Locke. And it's like, no, no, no. Everyone's actually as cool as Locke, but as a kid, you think Locke's the coolest because you're a kid. And obviously he's perfect for like a kid to think is cool. He's the like swashbuckling thief. Yes, he's, exactly. He's, he's Han Solo. Well, please don't call him a thief. He's a treasure hunter. I'm sorry. He's a treasure hunter. He does make yeah. that distinction several times in the game. Um, so it, it's it like it it it's one of those games where I so uh, again I've talked about my RPG a couple times and I've said it aged well. It aged well from a design and gameplay standpoint, like a like a fine wine. I don't drink. I'm straight edge. So I hope that that makes sense. I've heard people say that wine like ages well. As a person so, with an alcohol problem, it's perfect, my friend. <laughs> okay, nailed it. Um, <laughs> but from but uh, Final Fantasy VI aged from a narrative standpoint insanely well where yeah. the older I get the more I like it and the more I appreciate it more than I ever like did when I was young uh, it's just it's like remarkable like again like I said the depth of the characters you could play that game a hundred times in a row and every time you play you'll notice like why you like something more why you didn't yeah. notice something or how a beat plays off of another beat super well or just like how how subtle all the romance is in the game which yeah. is weird because back in the day, they really, I mean, it's an RPG. They call it a role-playing game for a reason because they don't want you to feel um, like necessarily you're not having any um, like... Agency? Con- yeah, agency and control yeah. over what's happening. But this game really walked that line really well by being like, no, no, these characters are characters and they matter and they have their own intents. And yes, you're making decisions for them, kind of, but they are their own people. But they were smart enough to be like, we're not going to knock you over the head the love, the 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 assumed love triangle between Locke, Terra, and Celis, but only from Celis's perspective. That yeah. like, can you imagine a game in the early '90s that everyone would say it's a game for children, and it's got a love triangle that is only a love triangle perceived from one of the characters because of like a miscommunication and a la- like a lack of of like self-respect and, and self-esteem <laughs> for like whether or not you're worthy of someone like what yeah. the hell that's not for kids but they they did it in, in a way where like pixar movies are really good where they're like hey that joke mom and dad that joke's for you yeah this game this game did that where they're like hey we're not going to knock you over the head with it but as you get older you're going to notice more and more and we weren't holding we weren't pulling our punches and it's just god oh so uh, it's such a good i i i could literally talk about this game for a hundred years, which wow. I could actually do. I'm a, I'm not just a psychic. I'm an immortal. Oh um, yeah. I can't die. I'm, I'm unkillable. I'm a kind of a God actually in a lot of ways. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. It's dope. I'll tell you about it later. Oh, thank um, you. But I, I won't talk about it for a hundred years. Cause I don't think that you have the time now to me. Time is like, I kind of perceive it differently to me. A hundred oh, years course. is nothing, but to you, from what I understand, both as an alcoholic and a human being, a uh, hundred years is a long time. It is a long time. And I hope to make it, I don't know how many years I want to live, but I would say closer to a hundred than 30 where I am now. Um, cool. Cool. Yeah. No, I, I respect sure, that. And I'm sure everyone was wondering about that. Um, okay. So here's something that I, I'm just going to ask you about things about what, how you feel about this game, because I happen just to have experienced a decent amount of it and yes, you can yes, steer please. this wherever you want to go. One thing that um, I, I guess I I want to save something for a little bit. So I'm going to ask you about <laughs> okay, this. Go, go ahead. As far this game is known for um it's for the Esper system. This is okay. the way that this particular Final Fantasy lets you build 
your magic abilities for your characters. Uh, so smart. This it's is so where smart. I, this is where I want to lead off from. And I don't get me wrong. I love this and the materia system a lot. I'm sure you probably have an opinion on what you like better. But what is what do you what thoughts do you have about the Esper system? And what do you remember? Um, whether it's from a recent playthrough or the past, what do you remember riding with? Well, I do replay this game once a year, Connor. Proud of uh, you. I have the game on the, the Game Boy Advance, so it's really, really easy to replay. But I do, I have been switching on and off where I play Game Boy Advance version, then the Super Nintendo version, because there are minor changes. So I yes. switch back and forth. Um, but I, the, the cool thing about the Esper system is as a kid, it was just like, cool, I can give everyone the strongest magic. But as an adult who like cares about things, I'm like, wow. They were really smart. And as a person who cares about game design, they were like really smart about how they're like, hey, all these characters are kind of good at different stuff. And obviously this game is super ahead of its time and making all their characters feel incredibly different. Totally. Every single character basically has their own completely unique game mechanic. Which is so much fun to use those Dude, characters. They're all so fun. Um, like there's so many that are just like, they, they took the approach of, no one's going to seem underpowered. Everyone can just seem overpowered. And then we'll know that you're overpowered. So we'll throw enemies at you that know that Edgar can just like shoot auto crossbows at everyone. Yeah. And that's every like blitz that Sabin has is insane. And um, uh, so they, they, it was super smart because they're like, cool. Do you want Edgar to be your healer? Well, then put this Esper on him and give him more MP and give him more HP and give him more magic. Do you want like Tara to like double down on her casting. Well then like, like you're going to want to teach her all the, like the double up magic powers and the best magic in the game. So put these ones on them. Hey, do you feel like you want to use Atma weapon and Atma weapon is better yeah. with you, when you have more HP Then put on Bismarck baby and get a shitload of HP uh, so that you don't have to like, like put Atma weapon on Sabin, which is silly because he's way better with two-handed weapons. Yeah. Uh, I mean, with a weapon in each hand. So like it lets you build your characters in a direction that probably I wouldn't say until maybe like Final Fantasy 10 and 12, you really had active control over yeah. like build direction in a Final Fantasy game. Shout so it's out very to the Sphere Grid, time. baby. Oh, I love the Sphere Grid. Me People too. can hate on that all they want. I think the Sphere Grid super. Oh, I, love I think it. the Sphere Grid actually reminds me a ton of basically like taking the essence of the Esper system and just like breaking it down to its basics and turning it into a skill tree. Totally. Yeah. Sorry to derail so you I, there. I loved it. No, no, no. You did not at all. Um, I, but I, I loved the Esper system. I thought it was really cool that they're essentially giving you summons that people don't even realize you can use because of how effortlessly they're just like, oh yeah, by the way, also they give you magic. Also, they make your stats better. Also, they're all the super cool attack that you can use once per fight. Like, it's so cool. It is. And, and just so the just so the listener, if you happen to be unfamiliar with this, the espers we talked about are these magical creatures um, that, you know, eventually in the game, spoiler, get distilled down to these this item called Magisite. And the Magisite of these particular espers you can attach one at a time to each of your characters, and they do a couple of things. Um, as you gain experience, or I think it's actually ability points with the characters. It's got its own like separate experience uh, yes. for each spell you're learning. Yes. So like if you, let's say you attach, I don't remember what Bismarck has attached to it, but let's say Bismarck is the Esper that you have attached to, let's say, Celis. And Bismarck, you can see that for every ability point you earn, it's times five to, um, to lightning, the lightning spell. 
Then every, but it takes a hundred percent to get there. So it, let's say you get one ability point at a battle, then you're 5% of the way there. And once yep. you get enough ability points, you'll learn it. There's not only the skills you can learn, but some, I wish all of them did this, but some of the espers also have um, stat boosts that you get. Yes. So like you could get a plus one stamina or a plus, I don't know, 20% uh, HP. Uh, that seems yes. like a lot, but <laughs> but you know what but I mean. But just so, for level up. So if you normally get five, you suddenly get eight, and you multiply that over the rest of the game, and suddenly your character who had the lowest HP in the party could be nine 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 nine, yes. and you're like, oh, cool, I can use them in a different way, and that's so unique and cool. I loved it. It's great, and like like Mike, you've been talking about as much as you know. I've heard this game discussed because I've I have like consumed a lot of media on this game. I don't know if. If you listen to a lot of video game podcasts, but the Kane and Rince and the Retronauts podcast both have these fat two hour deep dive episodes on these games as a fan. Send me those links afterwards because I I listen to a lot of video game podcasts, but there's so many out there that you never know what's going to be good. But even if I hate the podcast, I'll listen to anyone talk about this game just to just to suck it in. I think I'm hoping that you'll at least like one of them. But either way, the episodes, these episodes are great. Um. But this, it's been discussed on this game how, you know, if you know it, you learn this game well, you can just, you know, give everyone every spell, you can abuse yeah. it, but the choice is up to you. Like a lot of games, you can play it how you want and you can, it's sort of, it almost to me feels like a difficulty setting you could put on yourself. Yeah. Like if you want to run rampant with all of the most powerful magic with everyone and sweep that away great but if you want to get a little more specific sort of like you were talking about earlier with uh, making like edgar your healer or whatnot you can it's up to you and and i like that sort of implementation yes. another thing that feels ahead of its time in, in gaming yeah well and another thing about the world of ruin that feels super ahead of its time involving the espers is a lot of rpgs do the whole like hey this is your last save point do you want to fight the last boss and this game doesn't do that it basically does like Kind of like I'm not a big Zelda guy. I, I apologize. It's okay. I listen to all your Zelda stuff, Connor. Aww, and I'm so nice happy you. that you love it. <laughs> and I, it always bums me out that I don't love Zelda games. Uh, I, I like some. but uh, This was going so well, but continue. I know. I apologize. <laughs> I was not a big fan of Breath of the Wild, but I like the idea that it's like, hey, if you wanted to, you could just go straight to Ganon's castle. Yeah. That's kind of how the world of Ruin is, which is the second <laughs> half of the game where it's like, hey, you can get back as many of your allies as you want. But basically, the second you have the airship, you can go to the last dungeon and fight the last boss if you want to. And it doesn't say, hey, it's time to go. It's just as you gather people, you try to find as many as you can. And some people you might just be like, I can't find them. I think I have to go without them. Or like potentially maybe they died because yes. of a decision you didn't realize you were making when oh. you were only 12 years old. Um, Dude, I, I know that is so tough. I luckily I know about that now. So like friend I, of the show, Kristen played Final Fantasy six for the first time. <gasps> and I watched her not wait for him on stream on stream. Oh, and Kristen. then I watched her oh. and, and she liked him a lot. <laughs> and in the world of ruin, she was actively looking for him. And when she found interceptor, she's like, well, I found interceptor. So must, he must be here somewhere. And I'm just sitting there going like, this is hell. I've never felt worse in my life than watching this. This is a tragedy. Um, shout so out yeah. Kristen oh. Thorson, uh, incredible Sh shout out to you. My former guest of two episodes, a final fantasy episode. She was on our final fantasy 10 episode. Um, yeah. but 
Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that that's a that's a big deal. Is that this game basically goes like, hey, you do the second half of the world as fast or as slow as you want. You can be the guy that grinds everyone to ninety nine and gets them all magic, or you can be the guy that can't figure out the puzzles in the volcano so that you can actually get Locke and you have to just go without him. Yeah. It's so while while we're you know sort of discussing the world of ruin, something. I'll just tell you something I think is cool and see how you feel about or anything you want to share is I really do love that the first half of this game is pretty linear, um, Mm -hmm. but you're learning. Of course, you're learning so much about the characters. You're gathering the whole team. You're going through this. Just it's it's still so much fun. And then the second half is when it just fully, as you've touched on, fully opens up and becomes literally whatever you want it to be. Mm -hmm. Um, Any thoughts or feelings about that? It's really cool because it, it is a subversion in like the perfect way because the first half you're like, like I mentioned, they do a good job of being like, hey, sometimes uh, you're a group of six and two of you fall off a raft and now <laughs> you cut away and you're those two and then they pick up another person and then you, but you play as everyone. There's never a point in time where you have a party that's too big for you to use everybody until the world of ruin Mm. and then even the final boss you still use everybody and they're really smart about that in the first half of the game where they're like no if you have too many party members to use at once then we're going to make the story know that and then we will split people up and you will choose where to go and so in the second half when you start getting too big you actually start going like cool i have my main guys but i'm also swapping around to get everyone ready because the game keeps telling me everyone should be ready, but it doesn't actually tell you, Hey, guess what? When you get to Kefka, everyone that dies, you then look at your roster and go, who's tagging in every single time. And if you, and like, so that can be a surprise if you didn't pick up on the, the context of like, Hey, I need everyone to be ready for this fight. And I need as many people as possible because this fight is like, I'm literally fighting essentially a God at this point. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really cool how the second half of the game just goes like first half is linear with really interesting like focus narrative yes, where it definitely. splits you up and changes where you're at and decides who you're following and why you're following them and then splits people up and here and there. And then the second half is like, okay, cool. You know, everybody, you know, everything. Now we're going to start you with a different character. The first character you find is probably the first character you'd want to look for anyway. Sure. So yes. they immediately give you Sabin, Sabin rules. The, um, just the baddest ass, the best yeah. dude. I love Sabin. Yeah. Like combat wise, Sabin and Edgar are so stupid good. It's like ridiculous. Yes. Like, uh, <laughs> um, you never put them on the same team when you're allowed to split them up in the sections because totally. you don't want all that power in one place. Anyway, so they, they do that and then they go, cool. It's up to you. You keep here. You go, you go to towns and you hear rumors and mm-hmm. then like, oh, my, how you, cool like, is that? It's so fucking cool. You basically like you hear people like you're just talking to random NPCs in the world. And then they're like, yeah, I mean, uh, I heard that there's a girl in this town who's uh, she thought her husband was dead. But then he started writing her letters again. And uh, it's it's sad that these two star cross lovers can they can't see each other because that cave is is closed. You're like, oh, interesting. Surely that means nothing until you find out that the guy writing the letters isn't the husband. It's one of your old party members. Boom, yes. you found him because of some stuff. Or like, hey, I heard rumors about uh, uh, this guy doing that or this person doing that. Or, hey, there's a school. And this this girl, she just showed up and she's a teacher there. And you're like, how oh, interesting. Uh, I know a girl. Yes. Uh, I wonder <laughs> if I'm looking for. And, and it's so cool how the game... Some of them are really obvious to point you in directions, but other of them are like blink and you miss them or like talk to the wrong person and you just don't hear about them. And it's so like, you know what a good puzzle game 
makes you feel smarter than you are. I'm, this game, I'm, the second half, it's really good at making you feel like you're on the hunt for something that they didn't actually make as hard to yes. decipher and figure out as it was, but they make you feel like, oh, I'm so fucking smart. I, you yes. know what? I bet they're talking about that one city. I'm going to go back and talk to that guy. What? I was right. Nailed it. Those moments in games are so, so satisfying. And I, I like that comparison you made, even though it's like a totally different thing that's going on because I'm playing a puzzle game right now and the same thing happens. Sometimes what I feel like- that? Professor Layton and the Curious Ooh. Village. Layton is very good at making you feel smarter than you are. Yes, and I'm all for that. I'm all for that uh, cloud of 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 me thinking I'm smarter. <laughs> but but oh, I, I love I, that because I'm dumb. I'm tall. I'm six two, baby. Oh, congratulations! I got, green, I got green eyes, and I'm over six feet tall. So the world is my oyster. I'm white. <laughs> I have green eyes. I'm tall. It's fucking great. It rules. But oh, I'm dumb. But. I'm not stupid. There, there we are. There, and there is a difference. But yes. I love the comparison you made. Like the the way that games can like give give the player just enough information to like connect the dots if your if mm-hmm. your brain will allow it to happen. <laughs> yes. Um is is really satisfying. Um now something I want to ask you about is do you have uh, I want to ask you about the characters. Do you either have favorite characters, like some go-to parties that you love to, that uh, you're like, okay. I even need to break away from this, but. Oh, I, dude, I uh, constantly have to, because I play this game so many times. Like I said, it's a yearly game for yeah. me. Um, I've constant like, I always have to do that thing where you're stopping yourself from not just doing the thing you always do. Yes. Um, and because of that, I've actually grown to like a lot of characters that I, Maybe the first time I played, didn't appreciate for what they were. And I got to give it to my boy Gao. I think Gao is the biggest underrated character in the game because that dude, he is what you make him. Yes. And there are some pretty awesome rages that he gets Mm -hmm. that make him like the best character in the game. Like you get Stray Cat, bro. It's done. He's He's dropping Cat Scratch and Cat Scratch is like a double attack that's like four times as strong as like anything else in your party for like the entire game. You got like, uh, if you get, um, I want to say it's behemoth, uh, gives you, um, holy and holy is this insane, like, like hits everything. And usually probably for the highest damage, uh, uh, magic attack that he'll just like use willy nilly. He's allowed to like, He's allowed to hover easily. He's allowed to go into Berserk easily. Yes. Since you can't control him, Berserk is actually better because it makes him stronger. Yep. Oh, he's so Gao is underrated. Cyan is super underrated. Tell, um, walk me through like how to use Cyan better because Cyan is a character that I always love at first. And then okay. I'm like, what do I even, are any of these even different? So pitch me on Cyan. Here's Cyan. Cyan, he technically has eight sword arts. Really, yes. he has three. Connor. Okay. He has Dispatch, which is his number one. Mm-hmm. His number two basically halves their HP and will do that forever. So it's similar to Gravity. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's only good on high HP characters. And then it's his four, which hits everybody on screen, but it selects them randomly. Okay. Those are the only ones you should ever use because the longer you wait, there's huge loss of re- return on the time investment. Okay. You're putting like really bad diminishing returns on the longer you wait. So really... One, two, and four are the only ones you ever want to use. One is so strong that it's just like, it's kind of unfair that he can hit as hard as he can. So quickly. Just by like, 
by not yeah, but just like just 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 like have your freaking button glued on his number one. That is his move. That is the one. And then like selectively, you can use his two because again, being able to chop someone's HP in half can be really good for like the weird like characters that aren't a boss but are a boss. I've got to remember like, that because yes. there when before I left for the world of ruin this last playthrough, I was trying to learn. I think it was uh, one of Strago's, uh, his abilities. Yes. And, but, or maybe I was trying to kill an enemy, but either way, this enemy was a beast and just wiped out my party. And that would be good to use Cyan's like have abilities. I'm learning stuff on this episode. Especially if he's not a boss, because a lot of bosses are immune to stuff like that. They're usually immune to like sleep or instant kill stuff, but a lot of them aren't. Especially yeah. when you're like when you're you're playing as uh, Strago and you're trying to get like all the blue sp- spells. That's it. So yes. many of them are just random enemies you find in the wild that are hard. He is Cyan is so good for that. Um, that's exactly where I need to use that next time. Thank yeah. you. Yes, Strago is actually really good for fights where someone is weak to something because almost all of his abilities have a hard elemental aspect to them mm-hmm. where they're really really good against someone who can get the shit beat out of them by this thing. Yes. And uh, so Strago's really good when you know what you're going into and fighting. So it's like, you're like a, you're like cleaning up and you're like going, Hey, I have a strategy guy now. I just want to see everything. I'm looking at bosses, find out what they're weak to. Strago will probably be the guy for you. Yeah. Strago um, is someone I leaned on on this last playthrough and he was awesome. Loved yeah, it. Like obviously Edgar is, it's hard not to just want Edgar and Sabin in every party. Speaking 24/7. of the brothers. Dude, they're so good. Blitzes are remarkable. Also, I have a fucking bone to pick, Connor. Please. So, it has become a meme to suplex the train. Yes. In Final Fantasy VI. But you might not even know what that's from, but you've probably seen someone goofing on it at that point. I think that that is horseshit. They've made it a meme? People just, they never stop talking about it. If yes. you bring up Final Fantasy VI, the first thing they'll bring up is like, oh, suplexing a train, huh? Like, you know what? If you say that, you're a fake fan. And I don't mind <laughs> saying that because anyone who's worth their salt knows that the ghost train dies in one hit if you use a phoenix down on it. So oh, why would you ever waste dead. the time? Yes, it's undead. <sighs> and it's a boss that's not immune to that. So why on earth would you waste the time suplexing it for for silly childish novelty when you could just turn around and use a simple item that one shots a boss that's arguably one of the harder bosses if shadow runs away before you get to the the train stop yeah so that i want i want to get that that that's that is one of my i did that is i am airing that grievance good i'm using your show as a platform to say that anybody that suplexes that train is a fake fan because they're not smart enough to know that you should just use a Phoenix down on it immediately. So there we go. But it's hard. It's hard not to use Edgar and Sabin 24 seven. Sabin is stronger than everybody and doesn't use mana to essentially cast the best spells in the game. Dude, Edgar's the same way. Sabin. Like he can hit everybody. It's crazy. Super hard without spending anything. Oh, Sabin and Edgar are insane. They're, they're lights out. I, I feel like I had coincidentally, finally gotten into a little bit of uh for a podcast funnily enough uh i mean go figure that's all i do um (laughs) played some street fighter and got into some of the combos so dude going to play sabin this last time finally i feel like i understood him and also how to use the control pad because before i was like i don't get it um sometimes i will say it still feels like uh 
it almost feels like a batting average where like, even if you feel like you're doing it perfectly, sometimes I just, I must be doing it wrong, but you can if still I die get it. And when I go to heaven, I like, uh, they like, Hey Mike, here's this book. You can see anything you want. And I go, okay, <laughs> I want to see all the times I'm sure I put in a blitz yes. and it said I didn't put it in wrong. Right. I want to see what I actually did so Dude. that I know if I'm crazy or if the game's just fucking me. Seriously though. I mean like stuff as simple as, I mean, I think, yeah, as simple as pummel or even yeah. the suplex or whatever. It's like, or I a beam do- is literally just a, a, a Hadouken. Yes. I'm like I didn't do anything different than the last time, but it didn't register. So yeah, I want, I want you to tell me who will be in hell the answer to that question, if you don't mind. <laughs> oh yeah. I'll shoot you down a letter, bro. Cause, uh, I assume you can send letters when you're dead. I think you can. Yeah. There's okay, a, yeah, there's fair. a mail carrier between heaven and hell for sure. Hey, that's why, uh, Hermes existed. The, the Romans, they were smart and they were ahead of their time. They knew that there was a God of literally messaging things. Boom. Hermes. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, thanks a lot, Hermes. I did the kissing my fingers, pointing them at the ceiling yes, thing. Yes, thank you for saying. I forget we're sometimes we're on an audio podcast. Um, uh, we got to talk about a lot of this game. Is there any? Is there any big thing about this game that like you that you haven't gotten to chat about? I mean, I know there's so much, but like, yeah, that's that's a hard question to ask, and I will do my best to say that you have allowed me to talk about so much that it would probably be unfair if I had anything left. <laughs> to continue talking about this game because if you ask me like honestly hey mike is there still stuff you want to talk about like oh yeah do you have nine hours yeah uh but like i just it's got i mean we barely talked about kefka he's arguably the best yes. villain yeah he's arguably the best villain in final fantasy we history. both adjusted in our chairs at the same time because yeah, we're, we're talking about up. kefka <laughs> uh, right, posture time like i would argue the only villain that is more iconic than him is probably sephiroth and that's just because ff7 became such a like it was kind of like Final Fantasy breaking into the mainstream totally. for the first time. And so Sephiroth just kind of like people know who he people know who he is in the same way that people know who Master Chief is. Yeah. And they know who Mario is. Like Sephiroth is one of those people. But Kefka, uh, like Kefka is such a remarkable villain because he has one of the greatest story arcs. He because he starts off as literally a clownish stooge. Yeah. Who like who like can't get do anything right People but like also him all the time yeah and, and he's like i'm better than this i deserve better than this and then he basically just starts going like i do deserve better than this i'm gonna get i'm gonna make it better for me and he just starts like slowly cultivating power and like doing the wrong thing and yeah. like finding a way to get away with it until suddenly he's in prison and you're like oh it's done and that is when he does the biggest thing of all and literally goes, fuck it, I'm ending the world and becoming a god. And you're like, yes. you were this like sheriff of Nottingham yeah. at the beginning of this game. And now you are the scariest, best villain in gaming history. Like it's crazy how good of a villain Kefka is. And that laugh, dude, that laugh is iconic because there ain't no voice in Super no. Nintendo games. But that, like, I'm not even doing a good job. That that laugh love is it. so good because, dude, you hear that laugh and you're like, uh oh, it's sort of chilling. Oh, oh, dude, it's it it will say it will give you chills when you're in a moment where 
you're like, you're thinking you're get away with something. You're about to do something. And then suddenly you're like, oh no, Kefka's here. And early on, it's just like, oh great, Kefka's here. And then it becomes scary. And you're like, oh my God, how did they trick me into like rolling my eyes the first time I heard the laugh? And now it's like, oh no, oh shit. Like I hear the laugh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. He's, he, he, you said he's scary earlier, but yeah, he's frightening because of that. Like mentality like that sort of thing feels really scary that type of person because he i mean you've heard this discussed a lot but he's sort of like a is he a nihilist is that what he is he just has like no regard for the yeah. world nothing matters to him so he is just going to just destroy and betray um yeah he doesn't care it's just like it's like literally like Hey, I'm gonna keep doing this until someone kills me. Cause like Seriously, I'm though. just I'm just gonna keep going. Like I I want to be a villain for villain's sake, yet he's somehow not a one-dimensional character. It's crazy that they yeah. were able to pull it off. It's uh, nuts. Yeah. So I'd say that outside of now talking about Kafka, I'm sure there's a million things that one, I forgot because there's too much to say, or two, that I will be kicking myself about later. But I feel like you gave me an uh, uh ample platform to try and like evangelize this game yes. to anyone who is still somehow like avoided playing it. If you love RPGs even a little bit, if you like them, if you've only ever played Pokemon, if if you if you don't even know what an RPG is, but your friends are always talking about Final Fantasy, if you've only ever played an MMO, if you remember the Super Nintendo as a kid and you only ever played Mario World or uh, like monsters uh, ate my neighbors or like, you don't even know what an RPG is. You should still play this game because it is every bit as good now as it ever was before. And everyone deserves, you're not all going to love it as much as I do, but that's fine. Cause I'm loving it enough for everybody. Yes, that's true. But you deserve to, you deserve a chance to see if you love this game too, because it's a special video game. Absolutely. Whether you have access to a Super Nintendo, whether you have an SNES Mini, whether you hack a console or even get an emulator, play this game if you have the chance. Like Mike said, it might not be, uh, you might not have the love Mike has for it because that's uh, who does. Uh, but yeah, that's amazing. Can I can I show you something really please, quick? Please, you got to show me something, please. All right. So when I was in Japan, I got this. Now, it's slightly less impressive because it's Japanese and I understand that it's easier to find sealed original copies of video games in Japan. Spoiler alert. Oh, boy. Let me show you. Ooh. He's getting up. He's, stand he's, he's leaning over. He's grabbing something, I think. He's still grabbing something. He's sitting down. All right. So I have three games in my hands that are Oh, my goodness. Originals. I can hear the rapping. Oh, yeah. Original sealed Super Nintendo games from Japan. So here's one of them. Oh, oh, I love the box art. Super Mario RPG. Oh, that's gorgeous. All right. Chrono Trigger. Oh my gosh, you're pulling out all the stops here. Oh, yeah. oh. Sealed inbox. And then, of course, uh, the piece de resistance. There it the is. The game itself. I Final love Fantasy that art for Final Fantasy VI so much. Oh, the Amano art is so. You know what? Oh, I'm so going to use that one for the for the little graphic that I do for this episode. Okay, now I'm also going to trick you, Connor. You know how we made fun of the awful art in the Final Fantasy VI uh, iPhone version? We did. Do you want to know where they got it? And this is what makes it suck is that I, they thought they were doing something cool, but actually it ended up sucking. Tell me if this looks familiar. 
no way. That's Literal, just where they, they had it illustrations from. of all the sprites. And so since they knew they That's didn't want to use sprites, yeah, they used all the illustrated, like the sprite ba- the sprite referenced illustrations for the game and everyone hated it and I hated it, but I almost wanted to be like, I get it, you guys. You thought you were doing something cool. I know, I, I know what you were doing, but it just looked so fucking awful. That does, that does make sense and almost humanize that choice. Seeing that on the back, I'm like, oh, I see why someone would be like, that's kind of cool. Let's use this for yeah. the game, but it just doesn't. Right? It just because of the sprite, how beautiful the sprite work is. Yes, it's yes, it feels so foreign, and it's almost like you got to go so wildly different or stick with that the sprite based stuff if you're yeah. gonna remake it yeah it felt sterile and and like like uh like f- it looked like flash art yeah like you're playing like a game on new grounds or something like it just it didn't work but then when you see the origins you're like oh no yeah. you were trying to do something beautiful totally. like ah damn it why did it turn out so awful jeez well Gosh, well, well, thank you for showing me those, and thank you for sharing about your about you know uh, maybe a tenth of your love for this game, uh, <laughs> Mike. I really appreciate it. Um, of course, the show is not over. I do have your fun end of the show segments prepared for you, um, Connor. Can I tell you that I am always thrilled at this part of each show? Yes, and. I want to give you some constructive criticism oh, because please. lately, lately you have been selling yourself short and I've, I, I think it's out of insecurity. So I sure. want to reinforce you lately. So you, what you always do is you choose three games Yes, and one of them is always sort of silly, but it's more that it's not silly. It's like super loosely based. Like you're really stretching yes. why it's a reference, but lately on the show, you've been kind of making it seem like, like, like whatever to whatever like, about you're it. Like, it's dumb. This is dumb. I'm not, I don't want you to say it's dumb. So I'm going to say it's dumb first. <laughs> like here's a stupid ass uh, recommendation. Let's move on. Quit doing that to yourself. Okay. Connor, Cause I love your recommendations are really fun. And even if they're super f- like, like flimsy stretches because you're just having fun with it, you should still treat them like they're real recommendations because you deserve better than to look like uh, a goof. Who's like totally like uh, bummed out about his own joke. Yes. Thank you. I truly feel like I, that I'm like having a flashback to like an improv note from Jake, like four years ago or something. That is like, it's the similar sort of lesson we have. I may not be in the LA improv community, Connor, but I've, I've done my fair share of improv, just go to Becker Middle School. My picture's still on the wall. They remember when I performed Who's On First with Jake Sprague and wowed audiences. Just wowed them. Well, well, wow. I heard it from one of the best sources I could, uh, obviously a legend, but thank you. I'll keep that in mind. Yes. Thank please, you, Mike. Please, every time you're about to sell yourself short with that third recommendation, even tonight, if you cool. planned on doing that, I, I am I telling you, I do not want you to do, I'm going to, Connor, I listen to your show every week. I listen, I've, I've yes. listened to all of them. And as time passes, I've watched it you happened. become a little more flippant with that third recommendation. Your, your, your confidence disappears with that third recommendation and it can't happen anymore. Today is where it all changes. How about that? Yes. Okay. Today is the first day of the rest of your life, Connor. Honestly, somehow I already knew that was the case. Um, wow. Well, we'll start with the facts, of course, on the I'm Fact so Me by Your Game segment. Um, so curious to see if you're aware of any of these. The first one I want to share, I've titled Beware the Sketch Bug. 
So, in this game, we didn't even talk about Realm, but Realm is uh, one of the main characters that you can use. She's the hardest to use. That is probably why she gets talked about the least. She's a nightmare to use unless you potentially know some weird glitch that lets you auto-kill people. Yes. Um, this is this is the bug, though, but the, that is a, that's a different thing i'm pretty sure so realm has this sketch ability where she can sketch the uh enemies that you fight in the game and then um does she also learn their abilities too when she does so basically she she kind of just like becomes the enemy for the rest of that fight okay gotcha um so uh when you're trying to use this ability against invisible enemies after they have cast vanish on themselves and usually this is uh an intangier or a gobbledygook I um, mm-hmm. think I said that right. Uh, the game can freeze and even erase the file's data. Did you know about this? I did. And I only know about it because it happened to me. No. Beca- because there's that other glitch where you do the vanish X zone. Yes. Where X zone, basically, if you're in vanish, you 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 can always be hit by magic. But uh, like maybe on intentionally, you also magic can't miss you. And X zone is an ability that auto kills people, but has a low accuracy. So if you can find a way to make the enemy vanish themselves and then cast X zone on them, they disappear. One of the most reliable ways to make them vanish. And one of the most reliable ways to use X zone is to use realm. Oh. But because that involves the vanishing, it's real easy to mess that up and Ooh. get stuck in a situation with certain enemies where boom, everything's gone. Oh my gosh. I playing that on the cartridge that I was using this year, had me like afraid. And I was like, I got to make sure I don't destroy this. Uh, there's also, uh, this can also happen. Um, I found out if you sketch gal, when you're in the vault with him, after he comes back, uh-huh. you can try to sketch him as he's on the other side of the screen before he rejoins you. And same thing will happen. Um, yeah. Scary stuff. Uh, the second, fact that i have for you is which that, by the way yes. uh, more constructive criticism please or maybe just a compliment i like that you started naming your uh your trivia because before you just spout off some trivia now you give them fun little titles and that's one of my favorite things thank you i appreciate that i, I try to do that more often now um so the second one i have for you is a canceled playable character so in an earlier draft of the game's narrative Cyan was planned to have a relationship, more of like a friendship, I think, with this character named Angela. Do you know about this, Mike? I do. We got the freaking like, genius on the show. I I love this game too yeah. much, uh, <laughs> but it's fun because I, so far you've chosen very good trivia. Thank so you. So I will tell you that. So go ahead, talk about uh, Angela. Perfect. So according to uh, a really good YouTube channel, they have a video on on the on seven Final Fantasy six facts. Um, uh, she Angela would have had this sort of big sister archetype, taking charge in dire situations, and also was planned to flirt with Cyan. It's speculated that the reason they, one of the reasons that they ended up removing her from the game, what had to do with, it didn't sort of make sense narratively that they thought it would be strange if this character would be flirting with this dude whose family was all murdered earlier in the game by Kefka poisoning the water. Here's a tragic issue that like, in the narrative of the game just happened. Even when you're at the very end of the game, like it just happened. Yes. Another one of thousands of things we could have brought up on this podcast, but I'm glad we got to mention it here. (laughs) Um, The last one I have for you is, uh, is titled Edgar 
and Sabin's middle names. So Tanaka, who was one of the uh, one of the creators that we said got a chance to create two characters, she was in charge of creating the Figaro Brothers. Um, she revealed during a promotional interview for this game way back in 1994 a handful of facts about these two. Um, one of the facts was that Edgar's middle initial stood for Roni and Sabin stood for Renee. And she eventually revealed that these were direct references to characters that – to char- brother characters that she created in Xenogears. What a fun Which, Easter egg. How cool is an- that? Another game that does not get – at the time got tons of props, Xenogears. And now for some reason people – like at the time it felt like, whoa, this is the second coming of Chrono Trigger. People don't shut up about this game. It's so good. And then no one really talks about it anymore, I, which is crazy because it's like – Really good and has a great battle system, but I love that that re- – because in my head, I thought it was a reference back to FF6 at the time. So it's cool. No, I didn't actually know they were – No, I didn't oh. know that this interview happened. And that I, in my head, that was just like, oh, that's probably what that is, okay. right? That's like a fun connection. But I didn't know that that was ever confirmed. That's super cool. Yes. Um. Have you – so you've played Xenogears? Oh, I love do, Xenogears. Do you recommend me playing it? I just need someone to tell me to play it. Xenogears is so – Good, Connor. Xenogears has- I think I has, found my next eBay search. It's got such a great combat system. It's so unique and so interesting. Um, and it's that perfect era of PS1 RPG where they weren't trying to force 3D in things. They knew like, oh, let's do really cool 2D I, like isometric with 3D environments yes. instead of like, like, you know, in like um, Wild Arms, how there's like 3D stuff that just looks ugly as hell because uh-huh. it was like- early 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 uh and then all the stuff outside of battle looks great it looks super cool but then in battle you're like these things like horrible even like ff7 <laughs> has that problem to an extent it does um yes xenogears knew better and they really leveraged how cool 2d stuff can look with a rotating camera it's kind of like grandia's uh camera in, in a lot of ways but the dude the combat is so freaking cool super unique i'm actually surprised more people haven't tried to rip it off to be completely sure honest. Okay. Well, that I mean, that's all the pitch I need. If you can't find a copy, I know it's one of those rare games. I have two of them in my closet. Oh I can mail you one if you ever want to play it. If you have the ability to play original discs, I could always do that. And I do. Uh, so maybe I'll have to do that. I also could Let me know. try to get that on my PS Mini. Who knows? Um, that's it for the fact. Oh, yeah. Do we, it that way. That's probably easier. Yeah. I was just thinking. I was like, oh, that will be much simpler. Um that's it for the Fact Me by Your Game segment, and we'll move on to the Game Recommendations segment, Mike. So, uh, as I always say, even though you're very familiar for the listener, if this happens to be their first episode, this is my one forced tie-in to the movie Call Me By Your Game. Or <laughs> That's the show. Forced tie-in to Call Me By Your Name, that movie. Uh, and I'm going to be treating Final Fantasy VI as Mike's romantic, passionate summer love that he's eventually going to move <laughs> oh, on to. Just like I always treat the game. <laughs> finally, We're both treating it the same way. Finally, someone else uh, sees you for who you are. Um, and so what I'm going to do with these recommendations is treat them as Mike's potential next a romantic interest because sometimes in life you see friends or maybe yourself you'll date someone uh exactly the same as the last person someone wildly different or maybe even a rebound you didn't expect so that's how i'm going to treat these the first recommendation which happens to have been in the news a little lately is if you want a less heralded jrpg of the same era with many protagonists do you have a guess as to what i'll recommend here of the same era similar it's era in the news it's been it's been it's been popping up recently the last few weeks actually 
I'm not sure. I don't know what you could be talking about. What is it? This is Saga Frontier. Fuck, you know what? I almost said that. And oh. I was like, no, he's not going to recommend that. I don't want to look like an asshole. And now I just look like a liar. <laughs> you were so close. Um, I was going to say Suicoden, and then you said, no, oh. it's from the same era. And I'm like, ooh, okay. Uh, what? Ah, damn it. You know what? Good recommendation. Ooh, Suicoden. I, I didn't include it, that on any of these lists, but that would have been a good one. That's good alternate. To, to me, a good, a big giant cast, I think Suicoden 2, and I think Chrono Cross. Awesome. Okay. The next recommendation that I have for you is a more mm-hmm. modern JRPG, also with a, with a gorgeous similar art style following many protagonists. You might be able to predict this one. It's a game I actually really love uh, called Octopath Traveler. Yeah. So it's interesting about Octopath Traveler. I, after FF7 Remake happened, yes. Jake and I kept talking about what we thought would be an interesting way to remake Final Fantasy VI. Yeah. Because like you, like you mentioned earlier, as beloved the game is, and it's not like it disappeared or anything, but they haven't like ever done anything beyond with it. it's like it exists in the form it's in and you can play it in a couple places but it is what it is i thought that it would be really really interesting if they were ever going to remake it to give it to that team oh, and yeah. let them use that weird like like 2d tilt 3D. shift like diorama yeah. 2d 3d sprite stuff because that would like imagine how cool ff6's world would look if you just gave it that treatment i think that would be a really fun and different way to make a remake of an old game where you don't have to worry about original fans getting mad about it. I would love that. It's almost like a new coat of paint too that you could put on. Yeah. You could add add effects. You could fill out little parts of the world, but like still keep that sprite based yeah. beauty. Don't run into the issue that the iPhone game ran into by redoing a bunch of art. Yes, you literally. I, but like, yes, that that that's the first thing I think of when you recommend that. Oh, oh. I I really want this, Mike. I want this so bad. They've got. I mean, why? It's cool, right? It's so cool. It's so cool. But even in general, why are they sitting on like maybe their greatest game ever? Inc- also, like Chrono Trigger. Like, why is that not gotten something? When like speaking of Saga Frontier, like that game is. I, I don't know. Maybe well, it's- I know Chrono Trigger is because they've said they've openly said we don't want to do anything with that oh. unless we get to get the band back together and. Oh. They, but they've said like we we haven't been able to do that, so we haven't. We're not we're not going to. Gosh. That's actually why Chrono Cross even happened is because they were able to get the band back yeah. together for, it. and that is why Chrono Trigger has like been this classic that hasn't really gone on to get more. When there's a million Final Fantasy games and a million Secret yeah. Armada games and and all that stuff, that makes sense. I do th- I do think that six is there rainy day fund i used to think that seven was their rainy day fund and then they've slowly without like like you wake up and you're like oh wait holy shit there's like 900 final fantasy 7 games yes and i didn't even realize it but six six is that like hey let's wait until things get really really bad yeah until we do anything but you know what secretly there's a shit ton of six influence in 14 which oh. I am a big 14 player. And really? there are tons and tons of cool dude. Cyan's theme is someone's is it is a city's theme that's oh. like supposed to be like an Eastern Asian like samurai town. Yes. When you get there, the first time like you meet a character that like basically he's like the 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 forgotten son of that city, Cyan's music starts playing. And I I swear on my life, I got tears in my eyes. Oh, and I whipped awesome. up my phone and sent a video to Jake. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, but there's tons of influence. Basically, the way that that version's 
uh, that game's version of the Empire. Clearly very influenced okay. by FF6. Tons of references to Magitek. They even have a couple dungeons that are themed off of boss fights from FF6. Oh. So it's not completely forgotten. Yes. But, uh, but they haven't done much of that like type stuff yes. with FF6. And again, I think it's rainy day fun. I think they're sitting there going like, hey, we've always got that in our back pocket in case things get real bad and we need something. That makes sense. I At this point, dude, I just want them to like put it on every eShop for whatever they want. Oh, yeah. Just like put it on these systems. What a, make I, it cost $70, like a brand new game. I'll cool. buy it on every system. Yeah, just at least make it available. But yeah. Um, the final recommendation that I have for you, Mike. Oh, oh wow, boy. You, look so, you look so confident right I'm now. So I'm actually getting buffer and stronger. I'm kind of like Goku. And when he gets like more ripped, when he's getting ready for a fight, yeah. um, which happens. I just, I'm going through Dragon Ball Z right now. Uh, <laughs> this is a game with many rad heroes also out to fight the power. And Mike, that is Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1. <laughs> <laughs> on whatever platform you want it on. Hell yeah, dude. I, I you know what? Another I'm, cast I'm, of heroes. I'm pro Tony Hawk, pro skater one. Uh, some really great characters. Rodney Mullen, uh, one of my favorite oh, video so game good. characters of all time. Uh, big fan of, of, of that character, Eric Costin. Yes. Uh, really, really a lot of great <laughs> I love moments. I referring with to them him. as characters. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Some of my favorite video game characters are from Tony Hawk. So, hey, great. You know what? That's a great choice. Thank it's you so much. Uh, I've gotten a chance to recommend other Tony Hawks, and I was like, this one deserves its day in the sun. So, here we are. Um, that's the end of the game recommendations. And, Mike, as you know, it might be weird to even hear me say it in the same cadence as I always do, but that brings us to the end of the show. Um, so before we go, I would, of course, love for you to plug anything you want. Thank you again for doing this. This was so much fun. It's also fun to just get to nerd out for a long time <laughs> about a game yeah. and a game that is obviously very, very special to you and so many people. So thank you, dude. I really appreciate you doing this. All the thanks go to you, Connor. Like I said, I, I basically cheated my way into <laughs> like being like you knowing i exist and now here i am and it's been it's frankly it's been surreal connor because even in the beginning when you're doing housekeeping i'm just sitting here with headphones on hearing the same thing i hear yeah. when i'm at work like working away making a video game except suddenly when you stop talking i'm expected to start talking and that was that this was this was entirely too much fun uh, uh so so Thank you for allowing me to come on here and talk about a game that I love so much. Connor, I also, I have a surprise for you. What do you have for me, sir? Uh, so I've told you this a couple times, but Connor, when I am in lift rides oh, yes. and the driver of the lift um, really wants to talk, like yes. they don't care if I have my headphones in, they're just chatty. Sometimes it's easy. Like I, I have the ability to talk to people. I don't usually have a hard time, but sometimes people are hard to talk to where like they want to talk to you, but they're also bad at talking. Yes. So what I do <laughs> I in real life is I, I have started and this has been like the way like, honestly, it's been for about a year. I think oh, I yeah. just go, okay, this person wants to talk and they're bad at talking. I'll just be Connor to them. <laughs> And I found that it's the ultimate move when you're talking to a Lyft driver who doesn't, who's bad at talking, but yes. wants you to engage with them. And, and it's dude, it's anyone out there who is stuck in a situation. Maybe you're at a, a party and someone is chatting to you and you don't Ooh, know anyone. Yeah. So you're like, yeah, cool. Or you're like stuck at a, a family reunion and you don't know anybody, but like your significant other is off somewhere. 
just do an impression of Connor <laughs> listening to someone talk about a game on this podcast and it will work wonders for you, Connor. It's so impressive how well it works. I love it. It's funny hearing a tool that you gained from listening to me that I might be able to implement in my own life. <laughs> it's yeah. so funny. So so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a taste of it, Connor. Yes, I've, please. I've teased you with I've oh. never so what I want you to do, let me think. What's go okay, so Connor, what I want you to do is Tell me, uh, start talking to me about the last time you went to the grocery store or something like that. Okay. Um, now I'm you, by the way, from start from here. I'm now you. Perfect. Uh, so yesterday I went to the grocery store and, uh, before I went in, they have this, they have someone at the door always now to like, let you know when they're at capacity. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. Oh, wow. I feel so good. Uh, and you know, someone, uh, they always have the person there to give you like the hand pump for the sanitizer. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. Right, yeah. And then when you go inside, like they've got, of course, this, this particular store has arrows on the ground that you can follow around. Oh yes. Like the, the ones like on the ground and then you know which way to go. <laughs> yes. It's, and it's helpful yeah. because sometimes like the, it gets crowded and then that way they can like, it, they can also send people to the back of the store and have them follow the other arrows. Wow. Well, you know what? That's so funny. Thank you for sharing that with me. So would you say that like grocery stores are like the most important place for you to go and get your food? Actually, for the most part, yeah, I would. Like I like to also, it's funny. That makes me think I like, I like to sometimes go pick up food like from a, like from Silver Lake Ramen or like a fast food place. But yeah, I think I do mostly go for there. Wow, that's great. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that story about where you go and get your food at the grocery store. Thank you so much, Connor. Thank you so much. You've changed my life. <laughs> there you go, Connor. <laughs> that's all I do. I just be Connor and and it it just oh, it works so well because they are like telling you something that's stupid and yes. you're like, "Ha, huh, yeah." And then they tell you something that like you're like yeah, I know. I'm going to describe the thing to you. <laughs> yes, I am aware of it. And then they're like saying more stuff and you go, wow, thank you so much. What else do you have to say about that? Yes. Uh, but like basically tell me the same thing you just told me, but tell me in a different way. And then they're like, okay, I will. Yeah. And it, Connor, it just, it works like a goddamn charm. So I can't thank you enough for giving me the tools that I need when a Lyft driver really wants to talk to me. You are so welcome. I'm so glad I could I could give a gift to you. That's awesome. Well, well, thank you for giving me that gift in return. Um, I know we've gotten to talk about some stuff that you ha- are up to and that you want to that you've been promoting lately. But uh, what would you like to plug? What can I include in the show notes for you? Um, again, I do a radio show. We do Fridays uh, every Friday, seven to ten Pacific Standard Time. Um, it's called Jim and Them. We've been doing it for 14 years. So when people ask me what it's about, it's impossible to tell them anymore <laughs> because we just trust ourselves to show up and be entertaining at this yes. point. So if if you um, liked my mixture of passion and humor, then you'll probably like the show because we have a lot of fun on it. Um, some weeks are wildly different than others. So if you go and you listen to an episode and you don't like the first one, listen to at least two more because there's a good chance they'll all be completely different from each other. Awesome. And then after the third one, if you don't like it, then it's probably fine. You're, you're good. <laughs> um, we also do have a Patreon. We're like uh, everyone in the world. Perfect. But you know what? I've been talking a lot lately about Patreon sins, Connor. A lot of people, what they do is they go, hey, I've got this show that nobody listens to. I've also got a Patreon where I put up one show a month and you have to give us $15 to access it. And it's like, wow. 
that's a bad Patreon and you're like a bad person. <laughs> what we, we've gone out of our way where we had too many ideas for things to do and we had nowhere to put them. So Patreon was less of a way for us to get money and more for just us a, a place for us to just make stuff okay. more often because we have too many ideas. So if you like the show at all, uh, the Patreon is literally just there for you to get more of that. It's remarkable how cheap we are compared to other patrons mm. versus how much content you get. Oh, sure. Because we just enjoy making things. It's just fun for us. So uh, we we uh, pride ourselves on having arguably the best Patreon on the internet. Awesome. So uh, others may uh, uh, claim to have that, but we're actually the original best Patreon on the internet. Cool. So. That will be the second claim of the best Patreon on the internet on the show. I promise you I will get there. Um, what's yeah. the, is it patreon.com slash Jim and them? That is correct. Okay. And then uh, the show is at jimandthem.com. That's Jim and them. You can find a website where our episodes are. We have a YouTube where we put up clips. So if you're not sure you're ready to jump into the show, you can look up clips that we think are funny. Listen to those. There are some people that like the show and literally don't listen to the show. They only listen to the clips, which is weird, I guess. I don't <laughs> know. I can't put myself in that guy's shoes, but hey, good for you. Um, I uh, You can find me on Twitter at VanSavesLives. Um, I make jokes and have video game opinions on there. This is true. Um, you can also check out the trailers, uh, the two different trailers uh, for my game that just got announced, Ollie Ollie World. That yeah. would make me feel amazing if you went and checked those out because we're really excited about that. And then Jake Sprague, who I've talked about a ton during this, uh, he streams uh, pretty regularly. But on Saturdays, me and him tend to join each other so we can do co-op stuff together. So on Saturdays, usually around 1.30, I tend to join him and we uh, just keep finding games that you can play co-op. Uh, it started off as us playing Stardew Valley together because we love that game. And then it just turned into what is the most recent thing that came out that we can play together? Let's just play tons of yeah. co-op stuff. Let's find an excuse to play co-op stuff together. So we do that on Saturdays uh, between 1 and 3. Otherwise, I'm not a big, like I'm not like a streaming person. I don't think I have... I like playing video games too much to also engage a crowd yes i have the ability to talk i could i could sit and talk to you about games or i could sit and play games and not talk to you but i don't think i would be entertaining if i did both also there's a billion people streaming what yeah. the fuck am i gonna do that no one else is doing i i have i had nothing to the to the table that no one hasn't already introduced so to me that's not something but if yeah, hopefully I just want people to go play Final Fantasy VI. Uh, and I if you it. kind of liked me, I hope you didn't hate me. I uh, I act like I think I'm great, but I'm actually uh, really hoping that people don't hate me. So uh, hopefully um, there's some dumb asshole out here listening to the show that will then tweet at me in the same way that I am the dumb asshole that tweets at your guests <laughs> yes. to then tell them things. Because I found that I... I probably do that too often and I'm, I'm a little insecure about it, but I can't help. I, I like, I like engaging with people. And so if someone says something and I think they seem cool and they give their Twitter at the end of your show, I will then tweet things at them I mean, <laughs> in the same way that I there. tweeted you. That's but, how I found you, Connor, by doing that. So I must be doing something right. I think you are. I also loved your exchange with, uh, with Ryan today about the, about the blue, <laughs> like, uh, blue, blue ice popsicle. cream or popsicle. Oh, dude, you look at that in that game. It looks it, deli it looks like it was probably the most delicious thing you will ever see. It just looks so good. Me and again, friend of the throw, Chris, friend of the show, Kristen Thorson. We, when we were in Japan, we went out of our way to uh -huh. try as many of those as we could while we were in Japan because they were the Kingdom Hearts popsicles. We referred to them as the Kingdom <laughs> Hearts popsicles, and we have a picture of us together 
on our way to the official Pokemon Center in uh, Okabakuro, both eating those popsicles because we're so happy that you can just find them at any gas station. Any, it's so it's so unfortunate that I'm listening to this dude like say things that I felt. And to him, they're these impossible tasks. I'm like, wow, in Japan, they're literally in every gas station. It's so unfair to him that he has to feel this way. I want him to know that he's not crazy for thinking this and that if he ever gets a chance to do it, it will live up to expectations. Amazing. Oh my gosh. I also, I just love how much we've talked about Kristen too on the show. Just one of the <laughs> gems in the, out there in the world. Uh, I talk about my friends, damn it. I like my friends. You're, and you have some really wonderful friends, so I'm glad you do. Well, well, thank you again, Mike. I'll include all that in the show notes, but I'll close this out with some plugs of my own. Um, the cover art for the show is done by Glenn J. You can find... Glenn on Instagram at at Glenn with two N's dot J. You should check out all of his other wonderful art. Truly just emailed me out of the blue last year being like, Hey, I like your show. Here's uh, some fan art. And I was like, can I use this? And can I pay you? He said, no, you cannot pay me, but yes, you can use this. So Glenn is wonderful. Support him if you can. Uh, as I already said, check us out on Patreon. There's a ton of bonus stuff. And if you like Mike, you'll like him on the turtles in time episode. We just released um, at patreon.com slash super. NPC Radio. The show is produced by Jeremy Schmidt. You should check out his show, Video Games, a comedy show, um, and which also streams on my Twitch channel every Friday around 6 p.m. Check our socials because that could fluctuate at twitch.tv slash cons is cool 69. I also stream for the Legend of Zelda Games Club every Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific and Sunday at 3 p.m. Pacific. Again, subject to change. And I'm also on Twitter where Mike found me. At ver- one <laughs> man, one beautiful moon ago, at at a uh, Connor underscore McCabe. There we go. Uh, that has been been it for this episode of Call Me by Your Game. We will see you on the next one. Mm-hmm.